Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. That's right, the game is always on right here at THS. Welcome to That Hockey Show, ladies and gentlemen. Thursday, October 21st, 2021. Episode 2 of Season 2 on the brand new THS here. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the THS board. In New York, and as always, pretty soon I'll be joined by my THS line mates. We'll go up to Buffalo, hang out with Joe Yarden, talk about the Sabres and all things in the Atlantic and Eastern Conference. And we'll shoot out to the Midwest. Tad Bamford, some thoughts on the Hawks. Ooh, a little stink. Stink going on out there in Chicago. Not Tab, it's the Hawks. And then we'll head out west to Cali. We'll check in with Steve Palumbo. He's covering the abs these days, the hockey bus. So we'll do some abs stuff. And we'll also see what's going on on the West Coast. That's where Steve O is, and that's what it's talked about. And then uh, coming up here soon on THS, we're, you know, Costa's going to be weighing in here too as well. And uh, we're looking to introduce a, a special Costa segment here. Right now, he's unable to table this on Thursdays uh, in the afternoon here with me and the rest of the guys. But that's okay. That's going to change hopefully soon. But in the meantime, uh, we got a, a segment that's going to be coming up with Casas to keep him involved in the show. For all you Montreal Canadian fans, uh, I think we're going to call it something like a bad habit. Get it? Bad habit? <laughs> with Costa Papalias. So that'll be coming up down the road. But anyway, I digress. Welcome aboard, everybody. Kick things off last week. As the, uh, as the NHL starts up its uh, big season here, everybody's in about uh, three tonight, going at three or four games uh, for the season. A couple teams have only gotten one or two in there, but uh, it's all underway. Uh, lots of fun stuff. TNT, ESPN, rolling out their broadcast. Everybody's happy. It's going pretty well. I will say Steve Levy was a little uncomfortable for me with Chelly and Mess the other night, but, uh, you know, he's dusting the, uh, the rust off there. So we'll... Uh, We'll give Steve a little pass here, but uh, it's been all good stuff. Really excited to uh, to uh, have the game back and, and to be talking here every week with you guys. So thanks so much, as always, for tuning in and subscribing and all that stuff and, and tell a friend and so on and so on. So let's jump right into it. Two games last night. Flyers beat up the Bruins 6-3, and the Blues took care of the Knights in Vegas, and they are one of five teams now that are undefeated going into this evening's schedule uh, in addition to the... Uh, the Blues there, you got the Panthers, the Wild, the Oilers, and the Buffalo Sabres. 3-0 and before they head into a big game against the Bruins tomorrow night in Buffalo, which I believe uh, Bucci's, Bucci Main, Bucci Gross, ESPN, is asking everybody to come out, sell the place out, he's going to buy everybody a drink. So I- I'm leaving in a couple hours. I got to get up there and get a beer. But we'll talk about that with Joe in a little bit. So uh, Sabres, man, looking good. That's some good fun stuff to talk about the Sabres here on THS and not the doom and gloom of uh, seasons gone by here. But it's early, and we'll see what happens. The Pens, the Flyers, Caps, and Wings, um, also, you know, a couple wins there. Haven't been uh, no regulation loss for those guys as far as the standings are concerned. Uh, The Habs 
Costas Habs are 0-4 in Montreal. Not good. Um, the Hawks, 0-3-1. We're going to get into that uh, big time here with Tab today. And uh, Coach Carlton, this lineup, Taze, Mark andre didn't look happy the other night. Stinker in the home opener against the Icelanders. Anyway, we'll save that for uh, Tab here coming up a little bit, but uh, definitely you need some work done there in Chicago. Uh, the Flames, Jets, and the Yotes are also winless in regulation, two down at the bottom of the league. As far as the games tonight, we got uh, 10 games. Thursday's usually always pretty heavy. So 10 games tonight. Montreal will go for its first win tonight against Carolina Hurricanes, who are uh, 2-0 and right now to start. Uh, the Sharks and the Senators, and unfortunately the Sharks have to deal with the off-ice news of Evander Kane getting suspended 21 games for his fake vaccination card. Come on, Evander. Got to do better. So that doesn't help them out. Uh, Rado into Florida tonight. Panthers and Avalanche should be a good game. Looking forward to that. Two good teams here. Like I said, Florida undefeated. Playing pretty well in the coach Q so far to start out this season. So that's a good one on top. Caps and the Devils going at it tonight. Always a good Metro division rival. Ovi's uh, been playing pretty well there so far out of the gate, too, and, and all those crews down in, in Washington, down in D.C., the nation's capital. Uh, Devils uh, trying to find their way here, too. 2-0, two oh, not, not, not a bad start for those guys, too. So, you know, good matchup there. The Islanders, um, after the big win against Chicago, taking care of business, uh, losing a couple games to start the season, have a good one against the feisty Columbus Blue Jackets, who are also 2-1-0 to start the season. So that's a good matchup, too, for them. A lot of uh, expectations on the Islanders this season, so... With the win against Chicago the other night, maybe they're back on the uh, the uh, the right track here. We'll see what happens. But a good matchup going on uh, there in Columbus. Calgary will be into Detroit. Calgary, like I said earlier, uh, winless 0-1-1. And the Red Wings, the big, bad, tough Red Wings. Steve Eisenman's Red Wings. Hosting 2-1-1. My New York Strangers, 2-1-1. Uh, are into Nashville this evening. Uh, that's to be a good matchup. Preds, 1-2-0. Uh, to start the season. Uh, good game. Rangers with the uh, real fun overtime win the other night, taking the uh, the two full points from the Toronto Maple Leafs, as I affectionately call them. So uh, good game. Uh, better game for the Leafs because they just outplayed the Rangers pretty much in and around the whole game, and Chesty stood on his head. So uh, they'll take the two points. And early in the season, uh, these games will uh, come back as you look back on the schedule. So good for the Rangers as they continue on under Coach Gerald Gallant. Uh, Anaheim into Winnipeg. 2-2-0 for the Ducks so far this season. The Jets having a little trouble there at 0-2-1, uh, working on their kinks. Again, you know, you don't want to get too crazy here. You know, maybe there's more of a concern on what's going on in Chicago. You know, as far as the coaching situation there, you look at that. You know, the Habs own four. But, I mean, you know, when you get to 10, 15 games, maybe that's when you, you look at, this. you know, the standings right now and everything else. But who knows? Everybody's different. But, you know, Winnipeg, 0-2-1-1. They win tonight. You know, they're just back in the mix with everybody else there, too. Vancouver uh, heads into Chicago. And, uh, again, you got we'll talk about it today with Tab. you got to look at that game tonight and see where this thing's going with, with Chicago. Uh, and, I you know, you, if you watched the game the other night, you saw any of the highlights against the Islanders. You know, Taze is screaming and yelling at the bench. And Marc-Andre Fleury is taking the long skate into the corners, not looking happy, you know. There's a lot of pressure here. Maybe I think Coach Carlton might be the first coach, um, you know, 
to, to be on the hot seat this early in the season. So we'll get into it tab in depth a little later on. And then rounding out the uh, the slate of games tonight, Edmonton is into Arizona. The Oilers 3-0-0. And, of course, as we switch over to the league leaders right now, Drysaddle and McDavid are at the top, as always, which doesn't help you out in playoffs. You can't pass, get through a couple of rounds or two. So we'll see what happens with uh, Edmonton at the end of the season. But anyway, uh, Yotes tonight, 0-2-1 for the Yotes. And, we'll, you know, very interesting what's going on in Arizona. They, they're not wanted in their, their city there, <laughs> sports arena and stuff. Are they going to stay in Arizona? This will be an ongoing storyline for the Arizona Coyotes. Love the retro jersey coming back, the original jersey with the Coyote, the Aztec stuff. So that's great stuff, too. So we'll see that. So there you go. You got your uh, 10 games in tonight. Ton of hockey, as always, on Thursdays to look forward to. Again, looking at the league leaders right now, uh, Kopitar from the Kings is up there with McDavid and Dreisaitl all have eight points uh, through, these, through these first, you know, like I said, three, four, five games here uh, so far so far in this uh, early young NHL season. Kopitar and Tyler Batuzzi uh, leading the league in goals, both with five each. Look at Anze there, man, having a good season. Uh, as far as assists, you got Dreisaitl, Hedman in Tampa, and Dowdy uh, out in L.A., all with six assists each. And then as far as power play goals, very early, two power play goals each for um, Stamkos and McDavid. Uh, in the Nets, Talbot uh, and uh, Talbot in Minnesota and Bennington in St. Louis, both with three wins each. And uh, Alden there in uh, San Jose, Alden Hill with uh, the only lone shutout of this NHL season. So there you go. Quick little roundup of what's going on. Obviously, we're going to get into it here with the guys. And um, get their thoughts on this uh, second week here of the NHL season. And again, just reverting back here to Evander Kane here. Uh, it's unfortunate. Like I said, he's a talented kid. He's got, you know, there's been too much, unfortunately. Probably of his, not probably, of his own creation. Uh, of all the stuff that's going on off the ice for him. And you just hate to see a kid who's so talented. I mean, what a contract. All this money, all this opportunities. And uh, you hate to see this. And, and man, just a fake vaccination card. I just, I don't get it. I don't understand. But, you know, that hurts him. Personally, obviously, financially, he's going to take a huge hit This hit on this as far as the suspension and loss of pay. And we all know he's got gambling debt. He's got a ton of off-ice issues that he has to deal with. Now you're not drawing in salary. And I just hope this some uh, they can get some good people around Evander and, and, and help straighten him out and uh, get him back to just being about his skill and his talent on the ice. And, and uh, I don't know how that's going to pan out for him, but uh, it's unfortunate uh, there. The other last thing I want to do here is uh, extend our uh, best wishes to Mike Bossy, a uh, longtime Islander here, Dynasty Stanley Cup winner, and a big part of the Long Island community here. That's where I'm from, and obviously I've uh, grown up a Ranger fan here, but uh, full respect to the Islanders, and, you know, I grew up with those guys and all the championships, and I've had the pleasure of meeting Mike Bossy a couple of times, being a part of uh, some radio broadcasts, uh, working with Butch Goring and all those guys too, so... Uh, Bossy's a good guy. He's been a huge advocate through the, the real tough times that the Islanders organization has gone through here uh, since the heydays of the dynasty. He's been a big part of the PR out here and uh, the, um, you know, the relationship between the fans and the organization. He's been a, um, a, you know, out front, um, and he's, he's been a part of so many uh, you know, fan fests and over the years, especially, like I said, when, when you know, the fan base right now is in, is in great shape. The organization is in great shape. I mean, this new building, uh, the UBS building, look it up online if you haven't seen it yet. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's going to be surreal 
uh, to be walking into this building, and I'm sure even more for the Islander fans. They deserve this right now. They've really gotten behind their team here uh, in the last few seasons, and, and Lou Lamarello coming in here, and Barry Trotz, and the owner Ledecky, and, and uh, everything that the state has done to, to get this new arena. Uh, they're going to be in there in uh, November 24th, I believe, is when things open up for the Islanders. But, man, the ice is down. It looks gorgeous. It's going to be great. So um, we wish, you know... Bossy, the best right now in terms of his health here and, and turning things around. And, again, all of us here on Long Island, uh, as far as the Islander fan base and everything else, again, rallying around this guy. And and uh, hopefully he's going to pull through and be okay. And uh, last thing, too, nice little nod to Tony Esposito, uh, who recently passed away, too. They had a nice little ceremony for, for him um, uh, at the Chicago Blackhawks home opener the other night, too. So uh, good stuff. It's enough for me! It's time to head on up to the great city of Buffalo. Kick things off with my THS line mates. And as always, in the face-off circle, Mr. Joe Yarden. What's up, buddy? A big wave from down south here on Long Island, buddy. Get a great down south? state of New York. From down south in Long Island or from, from underneath the Buffalo Sabres in the standings? Ooh. Oh, how cocky they have become. <laughs> up in western New York. Good on you, man. Well deserved. Can you keep it going? That's the question. Mm. Everybody's hoping for the undefeated season here. And I've been trying to really soften the blow that that's not likely to happen. No, 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 no. But you know what? The Sabres have won more recently than the Bills. So, you know, listen, Crazy you got you to ride the hot hand here. That's that's something you don't usually say too often, especially this time of year, you know. Yeah. But hey, look, no uh, you know, Bucci's going to be in uh, New York tomorrow night with ESPN, and he's asking the fans to sell the building out. And what's the chance of that, Joe? Uh, I don't like the chance, which is good. I don't like the chances, which is good for, for Bucci's wallet because he promised to buy everybody a drink and age of beer if they sell the building out. And uh, you know, hey, good on him for for making that bet. But I think he knows he's he's got a he's got a good chance of keeping his money in his pocket because the attendance has been bad. The first three games, <laughs> like 8,600 for opening night, like season opener opening night at home, 8,600. And then 70, about 7,500 the net, the, the last two games. So that's two games you could combine and it's not a sellout then either. So that's, it's been rough, but like, I don't blame the fans. I don't blame it one bit, but now, now they got the hot hand team, so we'll see. We'll see. The tickets aren't six bucks on StubHub now; they're like sixty. No, McAvoy and the Bruins coming night. up there tomorrow. McAvoy's bringing his fat wallet up there. Right, maybe he'll sell out the building himself. Just <laughs> fill it with a bunch of his uh, his pals from Long Island, and you know, maybe bring his BU buddies out there. Which, well, actually, I don't think Jack Eichel's going to be in the building, so I don't. I don't think oh. he's. <laughs> I don't think there's a ticket to be found for him. But, uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is going to be their first test. It's going to be their first real test because, let's face it, Montreal is is not a test. Uh, Arizona was their closest game so far, and that's that's not really a test. And then Vancouver, they handled pretty well. Vancouver, they took care of business. So, uh, so I mean, you know, Vancouver, they took care of, but I think that's the only one out of the bunch that has a win out of those three teams. So, like, yeah, you know, it's a, it's like getting three extra preseason games for the Sabres here, wow. except for the the full roster. So uh, the way those teams are playing, it's, it's like playing ECHL. What, what have they done? What have the Sabres done to you up there? I mean, it's listen. I got 
sometimes you just you got to get your shots in when you can because <laughs> ever since we've been doing the show, I've been just dumping on them constantly, deservedly we've got so. Some good like, stuff to talk about today. We could hot shot it, hot shot it on the Sabers. Talk about how great they. We're not going to do that. Well, look, there's a lot more to talk about. Twelve goals in three games is nothing to, you know, say pat on the back there. What the heck? I got to ask you. I mean, I I I haven't tuned into every minute of every Sabers game, but um, you know, talk about talk about the good things uh, that's happening on the ice here. Uh, as far as, you know, Coach Granato here, and, and not so much him, but let's talk about some of the players here in these mm-hmm. three games, what you've seen. Um, you know, are they spreading the scoring around, you know, as far as the lineups? And, and, and how's uh, Coach rolling these lines and his defensive yeah, pairs? And you know what? They've been spreading the wealth around. They're, you know, uh, I think the two leading goal scorers are Kyla Pozo and Zemgis Girgensons. They both got two. And I don't think anybody would have would have thought that they would either they would get two total for the whole season, you know, given the really? way things are going. Really? Well, I, the optimism yeah. in Buffalo is flattened out. Listen, <laughs> Kyle had what one goal last year? I think it was. A, it was. I mean, listen, last year was a horrible year for for Buffalo. But Kyle had a Kyle had a rough going. Maybe he had two goals the whole season. Now he's got two in the first three games. How many did so, he play in last year? I know it was a fifty-six. How many games did he put in? For- yeah. Ballpark it. Ballpark it, Joe. I want to say uh, between 35 and 45. And how much does Kyle get paid every year? A lot. Yeah, well, he's better stepping up. So <laughs> hopefully this money. is a sign of better things to come. Yeah, Two but you know game. what? Kyle looks great, man. He looks like he looks like the Islanders version of Kyle Pozo. Like he looks he looks in great shape. He's you know, his it seems like he's got some of the speed back in his skates. He's still a physical presence. He's great on the forecheck, which Every line on this team has been really good on the checking because it's frustrated everybody. And, you know, he looks great. You know, Zemgis looks good. He missed the whole last season because he tore his hamstring. You know, he had to get that operated on. And Cody Eakin even looks good. They wanted, they wanted to throw Cody Eakin in, in Lake Erie last year <laughs> because he was so bad. And, it, like, you know, no, I'm not playing around and being, you know, hyperbolic here, but... Cody Eakin was literally the worst player on the worst team in the NHL last year. So to have him playing well, you know, he's, he got banged up in practice the other day, uh, slid into the goalposts, you know, took a, took a bit of a shot there. So not looking great that he'll be, he'll be in Friday, but like still like to get, to get these guys playing great and producing and to have, you know, Jeff Skinner finally gets, he got his first goal the other night. Uh, you know, you got a power play that's clicking, Around, you know, around 40, 50% right now, you know, I mean, it's not a lot of, not a lot of opportunities, but they're scoring on it. And the penalty kill looks really good. Like goal to Craig Anderson's been super. It's been great. But like the, the lions, Don hasn't like rode any line or pairing too hard. Like he's, he's rolling four lines. He's rolling three pairs. And fortunately they've been having the opponents where they could do that and get away with it and have it be totally cool. So, Hey, you know, it, it it's, it, it, you couldn't ask for a better start to the season for Buffalo. And they, you know, they've gotten it. They can get some of us, you know, yappers off their back a little bit about how, you know, how bad they might end up turning out. And now it's like, okay, you know, they got some confidence. They're playing confident. Rasmus Dahlin's playing really confident. He looks great. So all these things, the, the, things are coming together. The, the vibes are good. The vibes are really good in Buffalo. And you got, they got to take advantage of it. And, they got some tests coming up. You got Boston Friday, uh, Jersey on Saturday, and then Tampa, I think, on Tuesday. Then they go out west for four games. So mm-hmm. it's we might find out what they're really about here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, man, I, I like the mix. I mean, look, you're 3-0. and 
take it, you know, take it if you're a Sabres fan. Take it if you're, uh, as far as the organization is concerned. Take it as putting, you know, this Jack Eichel stuff behind you. But take it as Coach Granado here trying to focus on on building his system and, and making his own presence here and his own stance and making his own mark uh, as a head coach here, you know, continuing on from last year and everything else. Um, you know, I see him throwing, you know, as far as time on ice here with some of these guys uh, that he's throwing out there, Hag and, and – uh, Man, how do you say this kid's name? P Y S Y K. Come on, Mark Pesic. All right, thanks, Joe. Jeez. I know you want you want to say it, Pisic, which I think some people. I, I was going to say psychic or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to know what his his nickname was? His first go around with the Sabers, it was it was definitely Pisser. Oh man, so, I'm sure. You know, so I you know listen, but this is his second go around, and you know, I, unfortunately for him, team set up about as as well as it was last time. But you know what? They're but they're playing better. They're there's playing nobody, nobody positive vibes. Yeah, and there's nobody, you know, from the last game here uh, against the Canucks. Nobody under um, you know, fourteen minutes. Right? Let me get thirteen minutes here, but everybody's getting a lot of ice time here. I mean, good, you know, twelve, thirteen. There's nobody. Like I said, there's nobody riding the bench here doing seven, eight minutes, which you constantly kind of see on other teams. You know, especially if you got, you know, all right, this is a young Buffalo team. Not a lot of it's not stacked with a lot of stars. You see that on other rosters, obviously. Uh, you know, the, the coaches are going to ride their top guys and they're going to eat up a lot of minutes. Uh, you know, just looking across what Coach Trinidad is doing here, he's he's running a full – he's running everybody. Everybody's getting mm-hmm. an opportunity here. Yeah, and it's – you know, with, and honestly, with, with this roster, the way it's made up, you kind of have to. I, I mean, and that's not knocking anybody in the lineup, but you need that full 20-man effort to be, able to, to be able to do this, you know, the way they're doing it right now. And you can't lean on – pick out any of their lines that they've got. You can't lean on one of those so hard that, you know, it's going to make a big difference. Like you can't, you don't want to play uh, the Skinner cousins, Vinnie Hina line. You don't want to play them 20 minutes a night. Cause that's, un- that's unfair to all of them. You don't want to play. You don't want to play the Tage Thompson, Victor Olofsson line, uh, Olofsson and uh, Asplin. You don't want to play that line a ton because, you know, that's that's asking a lot of them, you know, Anders Bjork and those guys. Like, you don't want to roll these guys too hard. And if you're giving these guys too many minutes, then it's going to lag back elsewhere and you're going to run into some problems. But, you know, I mean, again, fortunate to, to be at home. You get your matchups. You get to do you get to get everything that you need. And they're they're able to do it right now. So this is this is good. But like getting everybody like you don't have anybody complaining about minutes. At least you better not. There's no way. No. There's no way anybody should be complaining about ice time here because everybody's getting about the same. Yeah, no, it, it's good stuff. You like to see it, and especially like I said, uh, with a young team like this, and uh, and everybody getting an opportunity. And you know, we joke here, and you know, not a lot of fans in the stands, and and all the the BS the team has gone through here the last few seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when you get an opportunity to to get a chance like this on a team. So you're going to get the opportunity, and then it's up to the individual then to use the ice time. I wonder if I could throw back to you with with a guy like Eichel out of the lineup, and you talk about Oposo and you talk about Skinner. I mean, where do you where do you see anybody filling in not only as a leadership role, but as, is there anybody else? You know, if you're watching the Sabers the last couple of years with Eichel in the lineup here and what he mm-hmm. provides and the minutes and the leadership and. Um, you know, obviously, if, if you're another team, you're 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 pulling away from you know the coaching staff is is centering on Eichel and everything else. Have you seen mm-hmm. anything any any immediate difference? And let's not talk about the the head stuff here. 
But the actual yeah. position player and the talent that has now been removed from the Sabres lineup and who's kind of maybe doing their best to kind of take that kind of role over. Well, when it comes to the leadership part, you know, they, they put the A's on Zemgis and, and Kyle Pozo. Like, they, you know, they only have two alternate captains this year. They don't have anybody wearing the C, which is that's probably the right move. You know, he had he just pulled it off a of jack, let it let it sit and let it sit tidy for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the thing with putting a Pozo and Gergensen's as as your as your as your leadership contingent is that they're a they're both the veterans. Zemgis has been there. He you know the way I keep putting saying it is he won Sabres Tank Survivor. He's been there. <laughs> he's been there since the beginning. He hasn't gone anywhere else. And he's just he's he's the guy that knows every he's he's seen the most crap yeah. <laughs> like he's he's been through it all there and but his work ethic is incredible like he's a dude that just he's a he's an ice hound he just is skating all the time he's working out he's a you know he's physically you know just a beast of a dude and opposed was the same way like you know Kyle works harder and as hard as anybody else. And he's not a guy that you're ever going to fault for his effort. He's a hundred percent effort every game. And he's, you know, he's been in the league for a bit. He's been the top guy on those Islanders teams for, you know, for a couple of years, if not the top guy, then at least, you know, number two, number three anyways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he, he gets what it's about. You know, he understands what it's about and the guys in the room all respect him, you know, and they respect Zemgis because what he lacks in you know, scoring ability. I'm not going to say talent because he's been mm-hmm. in the NHL for eight years. Like you don't, you don't, don't have a lack of talent if you've been in the, in the league that long, but what he lacks in the, in the offensive punch, he's able to make up for it in how he plays defensively. So the, having those two guys providing examples of what it takes to, 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 to be in the league a long time and, and to, and to carry yourself with, with the effort and the, and the sort of, I don't want to say grace, but like, you know, the, the way, the way you, want a, a prototypical NHL guy to carry themselves. They're the two best guys to, to show it off. And what they're, that, they're, they're making it work. Like, you know, you don't expect that line to come out and pop, pop like four goals. But there they are. You know, Cody Egan's got a goal too. Like that, that line's got five goals, man. Yeah, crazy. Like, you got five of their, what, uh, uh, 13 goals, 12 goals, whatever it is, 11 goal. I don't know. I don't know. But like, it's, it's wild, man. Like it's, it's crazy to think that, the, you know, the first three games have, have made it so that everybody's like, hey, I do like the Sabres. I am happy about this team. <laughs> and, you know, the lack of Eichel. And now it's, I mean, it's got some people in the fan base saying, trying to blame Eichel for everything that's gone wrong the last few years. I'm like, listen, <laughs> that ain't the case. That is far from the case. You do not blame if, the if, best if player host on the team. the cup over their heads at the end of the year. Maybe I give that argument a little play. <laughs> right. Like, I think you have to rename the Ewing theory to the Eichel theory at that point if that happens. But, I mean, it ain't a, like it ain't his fault. It, it's not Ristolainen's fault. It's not Reinhardt's fault. Like, so much crap had to go into this team to make it as bad as it's been the last five, six, seven years. And it, it's not one guy. It ain't one guy. Like, no. you know – one of the you know something uh, something my pal John Waro at the AP said he would have it's unfortunate that things happened the way with Jack because he would he thinks that the way he would play would be perfect for this team and I and I wonder about that only from the the mindset of would Jack have been cool playing the same amount of minutes as like the second line or the third line you know would he be cool with that would his line mates defer to him so much 
you know, where it became like the, you know, the offense runs through him. Would that, you know, would it work when you've got a super hyper superstar player and like a bunch of, I don't want to say lunch pail guys, but guys that are playing that sort of, you know, that sort of intense style hockey where you got to all be on the same page. I wonder if that would have worked out the same way. If you've got guys deferring to the, you know, the, the guy who's going to carry your offensive load. But I mean, it's too bad. Like it, it's too bad with Jack and now just get him traded, please already. Yeah. Like just get it done, get it over with because the longer he stays on the roster, I mean, he's on the roster. He's technically a part of the team, mm-hmm. even though he's not. The longer it it, it continues this way, it, it it's going to get worse for the team because it's, you know, they're basically holding Jack hostage saying you can't, you're not going to get the operation you want because you got to do it this way. And like all he does want he wants to play, and they told him they were going to trade him anyway. So, <laughs> just get it get it over with, get it done. Yeah, no, it's a crying shame. I mean, um, well, what can we do, Joe? We're on the outside looking in, and we just got to sit mm-hmm. here and wait and see what happens. Um, so, rounding out uh, things, uh, the, the the carnival that is uh, goaltending in the NHL, as far as guys switching teams, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, oh wow, really? Hope he's playing in Dallas this year. What? Yeah, really, <laughs> and what? <laughs> Anderson and Tukarski are in Buffalo? What? Yeah. Talk about these yeah, two. Uh, they've, they've, uh, Anna's gotten two of the start. Tukarski's got one of them. A um, lot of experience back there. A couple guys, you know, I mean, um, maybe not, maybe a good thing for for this particular Buffalo team right now to have those two guys in the nets. Yeah. You know, and. And are they, I develop, think is there anybody that the that the Sabres have behind these guys to develop, Joe? Well, there's there's Uko Pekalukinen, who's in Rochester. What did you call me? I, I, you heard me, pal. <laughs> Uka Pekka Lukanen. That's uh, <laughs> he's he's in Rochester. He had the opportunity to be the team backup out of camp, and he didn't have a great, great camp. And so now he's back at Roch, which that's fine, totally fine. Like he's awesome. still young. They he have awesome only has unis. Uh, believe me, like you get a guy with that name in the NHL, he's an instant. Like he's instantly the the ESPN favorite guy to talk about because it's a great name, but it's. But like with him, he's only had 29 AHL NHL games total in two years, three years, two, three years since he's since he came out of Sudbury. That's not a lot of games, you know, like he needs games and he needs to get adjusted to all that. And, you know, no no offense to Cincinnati and the ECHL, but ECHL is a lot different from the AHL and the AHL is a world of difference from the NHL. So he needs games and. You want to see some good results coming soon, but you know, so far a little tough. Been a little tough. I mean, it's very early on, so like, let's see how the season goes for him, and if he can develop and, and grow into that and become a guy where it's like, okay, he's ready, he'll get the call, and that's what he. That's why they got Craig Anderson. You know, Anderson's forty. He's been around the been the block, been around the block. He wants mm-hmm. to be a men- he, They brought him in to be a mentor mm-hmm. type. And that's great. Like, you know, Dustin Dukarski's not a kid anymore. Like, no, not at all. <laughs> he, you know, he was on that what great that that great 2005 2006 Canada World Junior Team. Yeah, I think he was the goalie on it. Like, that's a long time ago now. Unfortunately for us, <laughs> yeah. <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> let's not let's not do the math on that. But like, it's but like that's that's where they're at right now. And you know, the other guy, the other the other guy they got in the pipeline is Eric Portillo, who's playing for University of Michigan. And if Michigan doesn't win the national championship this year, I'm going to be stunned. <laughs> so, I mean, well, you know, there are there are guys in the pipeline. And then they got Devin Levy in the uh, the Reinhardt trade from Florida. But, you know, I'd never heard of him until he helped Canada win the World Juniors last year. So, like, I don't know, maybe you got a guy there. I don't 
Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? He's at Northeastern. He's going to play a lot of good teams in Hockey East. But, like, the pressure's a little bit on Lukanen. You know, like, he's he's got to start showing he can he can hang with it and he can get it done. If he starts shutting guys down in the AHL, that's good. That, that's good because then you can then you can you can slide him into the NHL and be like, all right, man, you're ready. Let's let's get her done. But like he needs he needs games. He needs games more than anything else. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll see how that pans out there. And then, like I said, in the meantime, they got a couple of good guys back there to, you know, I, I mean, at this point um, and, you know, how 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 whether or not we're going to find out how fragile the Sabres are going forward. Uh, having a couple of experienced guys back there is, uh, certainly doesn't uh, hurt. Joe, um, take a real quick look here at the uh, the Atlantic, uh, maybe a little the Metro here. Obviously, like I said, we're we're three, four, five games in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the schedule's uh, always heavy here on uh, Thursday nights. Ten games tonight. Um, Detroit looking a little different. Leafs kind of looking the same. Ottawa with Kachuk in there is pretty good. Tampa's doing their thing. Boston and Montreal a little slow out of the gate, but uh, you probably think, uh, like I said, you'll get to see Boston tomorrow night. You know they're going to right the ship there. Uh, Montreal kind of a little surprised uh, going 0-4, and, and then you hop over to uh, the Metro. Um, you know, Pitt's only got a couple games, Philly as well. Washington, I mean, Rangers, Carolina, Jersey, Columbus looks fun. Islanders, a couple of losses there, but they're out of, you know, they got mm-hmm. their win, and you know they're going to right the ship there too. Uh, just a quick glance over uh, the two divisions there. Here in the Eastern Conference, any take? Well, I mean, we could we could talk a lot about how how much of a mess Montreal is. Like that's that, that's that's probably worthy of its own extended segment of how how bad things are there. I mean, no Price, no Weber. You knew it was going to be rough, but like they're not scoring. Jonathan Druin's got like two of their what three four goals this season. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, good great for him. Great for him to come back from you know the the anxiety issues he was having last year that you know made him sick. And he missed the whole you know missed the end of the season in the playoffs, and came came back and now he's now he's become a guy that's you know uh, kind of become the face of you know some mental health discussions in the NHL, which is great. Um, but like the rest of the team ain't shown up. Nick Suzuki signs a giant contract. He's had a slow start. That's. Bad starts in Montreal get ugly really quick. And then Kakaani's coming in tonight too. Yeah, so I mean, we'll see. We'll see if they're able to turn it out. I don't like their chances of that, to be honest. Like they they got to play in the JV division last year with all the Canadian teams. Now they're playing everybody else, and they're doing it without two of their best players. That ain't that's not good. <laughs> like yeah. they finished they finished fourth in that division last year, anyways. So like, I don't know, man. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't like those chances. Like, hey, you know, Detroit, hey, nice start for them. Not counting on them hanging up high too long. Ottawa, kind of, you know, middle of the pack, same deal. Glad they got Brady Kachuk done. Yeah. They, they needed to get that contract done so bad. And you know what, Toronto? Toronto and the Rangers played maybe the most fun overtime I've watched in the NHL since they went to 3-3. Yeah, three three. blast, yeah. Holy smokes. Like, Igor Shosturkin. Oh boy! I mean, he, I know he signed a big contract with the Rangers, but man, if they if they can make a playoff run, I would be very worried about getting goalied. If I'm playing the Rangers, I'd be very worried about getting hey, goalied the, by the him. The only thing with Chesty, man, is just just staying healthy, man. That's yeah, that's it, man. There's no doubt he can handle it. He's got a phenomenal personality, incredible mm-hmm. work ethic. The only thing that we've seen, I've seen, personally as a Ranger fan, here is. Just staying healthy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean that's it's tough when it's goalies that that get the to get that get the uh the injury bug in them 
you know, like that where it's they pop in and out. That's so hard because a lot of times it's not their fault. And it's usually not their fault. It's not like they're, you know, running around throwing themselves on the boards or whatever. But like sometimes some of those injuries just nag and stay with you. And that stinks. But I tell you what, I like Washington seems fun. I think I think Washington I think Washington's poised to have some goalie problems this year themselves because mm-hmm. Samsonov is in the same boat as Shesterkin. He's he doesn't stay healthy enough. I don't like you know you know they got Vanacek back after they initially lost him to Seattle in the expansion draft. Smart of them to get him back. Probably dumb of Seattle to trade him back. Mm-hmm. First off, yep. But like great for Washington that they got to keep him back. Ovi looks you know we thought Ovi was going to miss like the first couple of games of the season when he gets, he gets hurt in the preseason. Nah. Nah, comes out, pops, has like a five goal, five night or five point night, opening night. Like, sure, why not? Yeah. It's <laughs> scary to see Ovi playing like a young Ovi, you know. And yeah. uh, look, you know, it's I mean, terrifying. yeah, I, I think you're right too, man. It's, I mean, for us who've been watching the last fifteen years here, I think it's great stuff because you know he's he's got stuff to play for. He wants to catch a couple of, try and catch a couple of Gretzky's records here and Mario and all that other stuff. And I'm sure looking at his lineup right now. They brought LaViolette in to try and win. So they're still a good squad, man. And if they can be there at the end, and if those guys are healthy, we talked about this in Link last year too, um, you know, he's got a chance. Yeah, they've, they've got a fair enough chance to try and make a, a run for the cup here at the end of the year, seeing where they're at. But I think for the regular season, and this is what's great about coming back here and doing THS and the league coming back, we get to watch this kind of unfold again. And, mm-hmm. and we remember, and, and these guys have more opportunities because they're playing different teams now. So he's, he's going to have the Knights against some of the teams that are going to be struggling down the road. Mm-hmm. And he's got an opportunity to light things up for himself. Yeah. And you know what? The, the thing that got Washington last year was they ran out of gas. Yeah. Like the, the end of the season, the beginning of the playoffs, like, who they play in the first one? Was it Boston? No. Oh shoot! I'm never gonna remember. Don't try, Joe. It, I, I, I'm, I'm not, yeah, not going to look it, it up. It here. I know we should both know. know it. We're hockey guys, but there's been a lot the going on in like, the summer. We had other things to do. We put it in. The, I don't know. We put it in the past. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's gone. But like, they ran out of gas <laughs> at the end of the year. Like, I'm I'm leaving what I just said a minute ago in the past. Right, there. I'm just gonna leave it. Try to forget what I was forgetting. But like uh, Washington, man, you know they just ran out of gas. Same thing with the Bruins. Like they were yeah. they're so good all season, and they just right at the end you know exactly sound effect sound effect intended but like fantastic you know like now that now you can pace things out a little better and you know what they got two they got like they still got an all-star break they got the olympic break in february mm-hmm. Good that's point, a lot of time Joe. to take off like you're you for anybody who's not playing at the olympics that's two weeks to kind of chill out get recharged Get ready for the end of the season run because it's going to be a lot there's two almost two full months once you they know get back. you <laughs> know Backstrom and Ovi, they're healthy. They're going to play for the Ruskins. Oh, well, if Backstrom plays for the Russians, I'll be shocked. (laughs) He'll be playing for Sweden, though. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Kuznetsov, though. Kuznetsov and Ovi. Can they make a deal? Can't they do that like the college uh, transfers right now? I'm just backing up my huge part of an error right there. (laughs) Well, who would you you rather have as, as your center in the Olympics? Backstrom or Evgeny Malkin, maybe? I don't know. Because the Mal- Malkin Ovi top line, like Malkin hasn't come back yet, but you know he's going to be Olympic ready. You know he's going But I those think guys Russia are in the top line. Jesus almighty. Russia. Like, holy God. Like, I mean, every team's got, like, every country's got a, lot, a top line you can just be like, oh my God. If they could yeah. roll that line the whole game, do that in a video game and just be like, let's let's see how crazy the score gets. But, you know, we're not going to name them all right now, but if Russia, if all the guys go, that can mm-hmm. go. 
Russia's mm-hmm. gonna have a hell of a team. I yeah. just don't see Ovechkin and Panarin play together. Mm, yeah, oh man, that's rip. that's who you put. On. There's your top line: Ovi, Malk, and Panarin. Yeah, that's a rip, man. <laughs> I mean, look, you're gonna put Vasilevsky in nets. I mean, you yeah. know that that's a damn damn. What is Shesterkin back him up? I mean. They could put a hell of a team together in Russia. And, uh, so that's they something to look forward to down the road. Their only weakness, as it's been for the, like the last 20 years, is defense. No, they're going to make a double trade. They're going to get Hedman and Backstrom from Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> Who are they sending of Sweden? Malkin? Is, it, or is Panarin going for those guys? Put Panarin on, on Backstrom's wing. That'd oh, be pretty man. good. Too much. All right, it's playing out. We have so much more to talk about here as we go forward. Before I let you go, one guy, I want to bring it up, off-ice stuff, and he was up in Buffalo for a little while, and you hate to see it, but Evander Kane continuing to have his off-ice troubles here. Um, I mean, do better, Evander. I mean, look, I know he's got a lot going on, but do you – I mean, I just – for me personally, seeing a talented kid like that, it's just – you just hope there's better people in his circle that can help him out and get him straightened out here a little bit. I mean – you know, I mean, and now he's he's not only hurt himself personally and financially and the team, and I don't want to get into all his personal stuff, but mm-hmm. it's, it, it's got to be real bad, Joe, to fake a vaccination card. And now you've lost income that everybody knows you need and your family needs because mm-hmm. you have a terrible gambling debt and everything else. But just I figured I'd just get your two cents on it because, you, you know, he played up in Buffalo there for a while. It's... um. It's it's really tough to see because I think when when he got traded from Winnipeg to Buffalo and how things ended in Winnipeg, you know, throwing his clothes in the shower, teammates throwing his clothes in the shower. You know, he, he basically pissed off the whole city when he did the Floyd Mayweather money phone thing, you know, during the during the lockout in 2012. And, you know, he, he apologized for that. And, you know, whatever he did in the room there that got got his teammates to 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 do what they did. I mean, that that's like a the high school level type of thing dumping your dumping a guy's clothes in the shower but i i don't know the way it sounds the guys in san jose might do the same thing to him like i mean it sounds like it's it's pretty bad there and when you know when he got to buffalo i thought that was a it was a great opportunity for him to to kind of prove everybody in winnipeg wrong because it seemed like everybody's getting their kicks in him on on the way out of town and i figured well man if he gets it right in buffalo and just flexes on everybody perfect like yeah. you know it'll, it'll, it'll be a great turnaround story he'll be able to do what he wants instead it was not that way at all and you know for the things he, he tried to do for you know for the uh for the uh for the, the people in the area like he was great with the like the, the kids at the boys and girls club of buffalo at christmas time like he was great to them but like it doesn't make up for you know over you know missing out on practice because you went to the nba all-star game parties in toronto the night before and it doesn't make up for the different incidents that happened you know the investigation stuff like you know him getting in getting in a dust up at during nhl draft weekend in buffalo at a a nightclub at two you know 2 a.m like okay like you know all this stuff where it's just like man get your get your act together brother like let's go and just never never did and now you know the stuff with now is is a strange wife like that's a mess you know the the you know we know he's he's had gambling dalliances in the past i mean how else do you end up on the roof of a casino in vegas with a giant wad of cash in your hand yeah. i mean you know maybe it comes from being a millionaire player too but like you know what else are you doing in vegas you know you're not there to you're not there to go on the tours mm-hmm. so i mean 
you know, the, you know, the issues there, the, you know, all the, the accusations about the, per, you know, the, the domestic stuff and everything. And it's just like, Oh my God, like so many things going wrong with him. And then, you know, he's, you know, we, we file for bankruptcy or something like that. Like, <sighs> you know, it's, it's so much, it's yeah. so much. And it's yeah. so, it's so disappointing to see. And he's a guy who could have been a, a, a huge face for the league. Cause you know, good looking dude. He knows he's a good looking dude. Like he, he gets it. And like, you know, uh, you know, he's, you know, black kid, the whole thing could have been a face, you know, like getting black kids more into hockey, yep. you know, for minorities period into hockey. And instead it's just like, like you don't want him to be the role model for anybody. And that's, that's what sucks. Yeah. It's unfortunate because he, he's good, man. He's a talented kid, man. Yeah. Joe, before that's, I let you go, that's what hurts the most. Yeah, no, Jeez. absolutely. Yeah. No, I, and I, I, you know, I, I definitely want to make a point of that. Like I said, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and trash the guy or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm more or less looking, calling out for people in his circle to help get his life together because he's mm-hmm. too damn talented and he, he can do so much good with his life. And I, I still hold out hope for him and hopefully he can do that. All right, Joe, before I let you go, uh, what's going on at Noted Hockey, man? What do you got it's, going uh, on? My, it's my new venture. It's my new website. I'm doing some, doing some hockey writing, some hockey analysis. There's got to be quite a bit of analysis on the Sabres, especially now that they're red hot. What do you got going for us this week, man? I know you kicked it off with a big bang last week. I mean, are you going to just spend uh, hours on uh, Craig Anderson? I mean, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> well, I got, a, I got a piece coming here soon. I got to get finished. I'm holding you up, right? No, 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 no. That's what the problem is. No, 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 no. I, I got nobody to blame by myself. If I want to fire myself, I could do that. But like, I'm not going to do that. Cause I like me, uh, but I got a piece coming about uh, taking a look at some stuff. Don Granado has been doing with Rasmus Stalin. Awesome. Um, digging some, digging some other fun stuff with the Sabres because there's a lot to look at there's, because they're, they're doing a lot of different stuff and it's, it's neat to kind of not to pick it apart, but just analyze, get my, get my, Get my doctor, my doctor code on and, and check things out. Doctor Hockey, love it, man. That'd be my, that'd be my spinoff website, Doctor Hockey. Yeah. <laughs> Better get that. Better get the, all those accounts too, pal. <laughs> it's good stuff. I love it, man. The riding's good. It's good to have you back riding again, Joe. So everybody, check that out. Noted Hockey by Joe Yarden. Joey, as always, a great spot. Have a super weekend. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. Say hi to Bucci Maine if you see him. Have a drink yeah. on me and everybody else. We'll catch you next week <laughs> back here on THS, brother. It's going to be fun, Paulie. Let's 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 get her done. Absolutely. Joe Yard and everybody right here at THS. THS rolls on. Well, all right, it's time to head on out to the great city of Chicago. Out in the Midwest here. In the U.S. of A. Bring it on. THS line Mr. Tab Bamberg. What's going on, buddy? Cold or nice we, out uh, there? What's happening, Chicago? Oh man, we should have uh, we should have gone uh, with uh, Garth Brooks' "Friends in Low Places" for the intro music if we're going to talk some Blackhawks. Ooh! Uh, because is it that bad? It, there are two <laughs> things in the cellar right now: wine and the Blackhawks. <laughs> oh man, it's bad, man. It's bad. Three games in, it's 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 uh, bad news. I mean. You know, the Islanders hadn't won the other night, man. Their season was over, too. And they beat your uh, Chicago Blackhawks there well, in the home opener. Yeah, well, I mean, the Islanders, I think, came into this season with legit Stanley Cup aspirations. And they're, they're still sorting some things out. Like, you know, we were talking in the pre-show, Kumbaya, 
we're three or four games into the season right now. There's a few teams like Carolina and Jersey and Boston that have only played two as we're talking, but by and large, most of the leagues played three or four games. So I'm not throwing anybody out because they ended up like one and two in a three game stretch like the Islanders, because that's going to happen, especially when you haven't been home yet. I think the Islanders giving up 12 goals in three games is problematic, especially when one of those three games was against the tire fire in Chicago. But I don't. I think if you've watched the Islanders the last three years, you're not really worried about a slow stretch to start the season. They'll write the shit, but I think you do start to see some trends develop that may not be necessarily new that can be more concerning than others. And so there's a little bit of a hypocritical reality here where four games isn't enough of a sample size for us to lose our minds, but... Last year, the Chicago Blackhawks were a bad team at 5-on-5. Five five. Defensively, they were atrocious. We get that. They did not have a normal training camp last year. They have a young coach. He didn't get to have a normal training camp. Lots of excuses. So what does the GM do? He goes from this, we're retooling, rebuilding mindset to, we're pushing all of our chips in. We're trading a 20-year-old defenseman to Columbus for Seth Jones, and then we're giving him $9.5 million a year. So Seth Jones will be here for pretty much the next decade. Then you make the deal for Marc-Andre Fleury. Then you bring in Tyler Johnson. You add guys. Uh, you bring in Henrik Borgstrom, who you acquired from Florida at the deadline. You sign him. So now you've got center depth, which was non-existent last year because Doc was out for a lot of the season with a wrist injury. Obviously, Jonathan Taves didn't step on the ice. Now you got too many centers, so Dylan Strom's watching. You've got a completely new blue line. You bring in Jake McCabe. You bring in Seth Jones. All of a sudden, you've got depth you got young guys like Ian Mitchell heading to Rockford because you've got too many veterans on the roster. You've got goaltending. You've got a veteran who won the frickin' Vezina Trophy last year. So a lot of those excuses. And then you have a full training camp. So the excuses are gone. And you're starting the season. Excuses for off. who, Tab? Excuses for who? For Jeremy Carlton. Oh, that guy. Oh, okay. All right. yeah. I'm just going to clear that up, man. Who, by the way, was great in the movie Toy Story. Um, <laughs> but, no... You don't. You've got a full training camp. You've got a veteran-loaded roster. You're right back up against the cap. You finally had cap flexibility, and you say, "Screw the rebuild. We're going for it." And you start the season, and you're the. I would submit the worst five-on-five team in the National Hockey League. You're not scoring. You're through four games. They've been outscored more than two to one. They've allowed 17 goals in four games. They've only scored eight, and we keep screwing with the lines. And moving guys around. They started they started the season with Tyler Johnson at one center. Between Kane and Debrinkit. This is a guy who was the I would say the thirteenth forward on Tampa Bay's roster last year. And Jeremy Collins put him at centering Alex Debrinkit and Patrick Kane because they didn't want to ride roller coasters, so they put those three on a line together. You got Jonathan Taves out there with Kubalik and Kurashev, which I like that line. I think they've got decent chemistry. Kurashev is young. He's still developing. So what does he do? The last two and a half periods of the last two games, uh, Jujar Kiara is skating with Jonathan Taves, a fourth-line grinder, who probably would be the 13th forward on a decent team. Uh, a guy who was described to me on social media as a punching bag in Edmonton is now skating with Jonathan Taves and Dominic Kubalik. Uh, two guys who theoretically need to be giving you 30 goals. So it, it's just, it is a complete mess in Chicago. 
and no one wants to answer any questions and people are starting to get a little hurt when people ask questions about whatever alleged systems they've installed and whatever they're running and they say that we're still building chemistry. Well, you have six preseason games and you now you've played four in the regular season and everything is still going in the blender after 30 seconds and we still haven't seen Jonathan Taves with the Brinkett and King. In fact, the Brinkett's been skating on a third line. Like one of your top, I would say maybe top 10 goal scorers in the National Hockey League is getting the third line treatment. So the mad scientist is at work and everybody wants to say that he has job security, but Mark Crawford is sitting right next to him on the bench. He's already well, on the That's what I was going to get into too is his, his column and support staff here and the rest of the guys that are, that are on the coaching staff with him. And you bring up Crawford here. And who else is uh, who else is on his team behind the Sheldon bench? Brookbank is is the defensive coach, and he's been hearing it from a lot of people just because of the, I guess the perception that the defense is a crap show right now. To be quasi family appropriate with what we're going to refer to it as, um, and you know, look, there's a guy in the organization who's been an advisor who's worked with some of the young guys in Rockford, who's been on the bench in Rockford this season, uh, who other NHL players, uh, you know, a decade ago, when he was playing with them, specifically Nick Letty, uh, Duncan Keith, have talked about what they've learned from him. Brian Campbell's in the organization. And if you want to move the puck and you want to do the things that an up-tempo team, which is what Colton claims he wants to have, uh, is going to do. Brian Campbell's a guy who played at a superstar level. And with all due respect to Sheldon Brookbank, uh, he did not make the money uh, or reach the level of all-star status that Brian Campbell did. I'm not saying you have to be an all-star to coach defensemen, but what we've seen from Chicago's blue line this year is nothing that you should be writing home about, be excited about. And that's why there are empty red seats at the United Center right now. Yeah, between him and um, Sheldon I mean, what's Cam- has Campbell been doing any assistant coaching anywhere since he's put it, hung up the skates? Uh, for the last couple of years, he's been part of the Blackhawks organization in this but he's, like, he's, quasi-administrator. He's, he's not coaching. He hasn't... No, well, no, he's, he's been working with some of the younger defensemen. He has been on the bench in Rockford, which is the AHL okay. affiliate for All the right. Blackhawks. Um, he was on, he was on the bench against the Chicago Wolves earlier this week, so he has been coaching guys up. It's kind of like the role that Chris Chelios had when he was with the Red Wings, where he's kind of a roaming instructor working with guys. Um, which is interesting that guys like Ian Mitchell, who scouts love, who Jeremy Calton refuses to skate, guys like Nicholas Bodin, who scouts like I don't think that from what I've read and heard. Scouts are as high on his ceiling as they are in Ian Mitchell's. But these are a couple young guys who got a lot of run in the National Hockey League last year to varying degrees of success, and they are just absolutely buried. And Stan Bowman talks about wanting to develop the next generation, but then he goes out and signs Eric Gustafson because White Kelnick, another young guy who played well last year, and Caleb Jones go on long-term injured reserve to start the season, which means they're out until the start of November at least. Uh, and now you've got Gustafson, who was a PTO guy with the Islanders, uh, as your sixth defenseman. And you've got, and again, you're talking about integrating these new guys and building rapport. 
And Jeremy Calton's point blank answer to who's going to skate with Seth Jones was McCabe and Murphy are going to stay with each other because I like that. And then Seth Jones is just going to skate a, a lot of minutes and he's just going to be out there with whoever I send over the boards with him. And so you've got a guy that starting next year is making nine and a half million dollars a year who is at this moment one of 13 players in the National Hockey League giving you 25 minutes a night who from shift to shift doesn't know who's going to be next to him. And you look at the other players who are giving you 25 minutes a night, Aaron Ekblad, for the most part, knows who's going to be next to him. Dougie Hamilton, on a new team in New Jersey, probably has a good idea. Colton Pareko in St. Louis, pretty good idea. Adam Fox won the Norris last year. Victor Hedman, maybe the best of this generation. Chris Letang in Pittsburgh knows what he's doing. Miro Heiskanen in, in Dallas probably has a pretty good idea. Brent Burns in San Jose might not know if it's going to work, but he probably has a good idea who's going to be out there with him. Quinn Hughes in Vancouver, Darnell Nurse. Everybody else at 25 minutes a night has a pretty good idea when they jump the boards who's coming with them. Mm-hmm. And this is a Blackhawks fan base that spent the better part of 15 years watching Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook or Duncan Keith and Nicholas Jamerson on the ice together. Mm-hmm. Keith knew it was either going to be seven or four skating with him. And Seth Jones is out there giving you 25 minutes a night, which most nights is between three and six minutes more than any other defenseman on the Blackhawks, and he doesn't have a clue who's coming out with him. And you wonder why you're struggling. You want you're, you're preaching chemistry and developing consistency, but the lines go in the blender after half a period. You're starting with a different lineup almost every night with guys skating with different centers, different opposite wingers, whatever. And your highest paid, biggest ice time defenseman is literally being told, you'll just go out there and skate every other shift and we'll have somebody out there, we we hope, we promise. Which is why of the 13 defensemen that are averaging 25 minutes a night, Latang is minus two, Hughes is minus one, and Seth Jones is minus four. I'm not here to preach that plus minus is the end-all, be-all for determining the quality of play from a defenseman, or anyone for that matter. But I do think it's telling that when you look at the 13 guys averaging 25 minutes a night, only three of them are on the red side of the ledger. And Seth Jones is the worst. And, you know, he, he owned it. He said his first game, he was bad. But he's gotten better, and he's shown those offensive instincts and the sex appeal that got him $9.5 million a year from Stan Bowman. But it's kind of hard to know when you can pinch, when you can be aggressive offensively, when you can go, and when you need to, you know, have, you know, the anchor back a little bit because of who you're with. And I think most people assumed when they brought in Jake McCabe with Seth Jones that those two would be together. And then Connor Murphy would maybe be looking at a Caleb Jones or Wyatt Kalniuk situation, this obviously before they decided to bring in the savior, Eric Gustafson. Um who literally was like healthy scratched for half of his life since he left Chicago. Uh, but again, like you can't talk out of two sides of your mouth in a town that's as hockey savvy as Chicago has become. I'm not saying the entire fan base knows everything, but when you listen to Joel Quinville for 10 years, even though you're getting a lot of word soup and he's glossing over a lot of stuff and he's not going to ever give you the complete answer, you learn enough. And if you pay attention to the game, you know that if you want to develop chemistry and you want to develop rapport and you want to have consistent systems, 
knowing who you're playing with is a big deal, especially on the back end. And Jeremy Calton's straight up answer to who's going to skate with Seth Jones is whoever's on the bench and I feel like putting out there. That doesn't work. You know, Coach Q, I mean, he didn't have to say anything. He just tell by the look in his face what he wants you to do. Uh, as far or as the uh, occasional, you know, general adjustment in the direction of the officials, one of the five greatest gifts on Twitter. Oh, is man. Coach Q exactly sharing how he feels with an official. I think that, that image has got to be about eight or nine years old now. But, no, and and – Again, you know, you look around these Blackhawks and no one in the division's running away. St. Louis has gotten off to a great start, uh, you know, averaging five goals a night. All three of those games being on the road, and that game with Vegas last night was epic for the first, what, eight, seven, eight days of the regular season. I mean, that felt like a playoff game on the 20th of October, which was awesome. And, you know, even Gretzky on the on the between period show was like this is this is just great hockey to watch. And then you know if you watch that Islanders Blackhawks game the other night, the Blackhawks outshot the Isle 18-8 in the first period. It's pounding sand. It, 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 what you're at right now is you're developing, you know, volume analytics without any substance within them. And that's why you've scored 8 goals in 4 games and you're 0-3 and 1 with the schedule I will say this, the Blackhawks schedule is not doing them any favors. They've had a tough one to line it up, especially with Pittsburgh playing incredibly well with no Sid or Gino. But, you know, it, it's just you look around and you've got Calvin DeHaan and Riley Stillman and Eric Gustafson. Like, he, Jay Fresh, if you follow him on Twitter, great dude, does a lot of great analytical work. And he's tweeted a couple times, if Jake McCabe and Connor Murphy can't figure out your system, maybe your system sucks. Well, Because wanna... the analytics community love Jake McCabe and Connor Murphy. And putting them together, the analytics community, like cold shower and a cigarette. <laughs> and these guys are minus six, averaging 20 each. Not together, each. And they're averaging 20 minutes a night, and they look completely dysfunctional half the time. All right, so with, with Colin here, and I, look, I get the feeling, too, He's he definitely could probably be one of the first guys to go um, in the league this year as far as losing his job. How long the Blackhawks give him, we'll see what happens. So a couple things I want to take out from the game the other night. Um, Taze was laying into the bench himself, vocally, verbally, giving it to the teammates, right? And then you could also yeah. see some very obvious uh, reaction from Flurry in the net as yeah. far as the guys playing in front of him, you know. Taking the long skate into the corner, you know when your mm-hmm. netminder's taking those long skates into the corner, he's, you know, he's trying not to just lay into everybody that's in front of him. And yep. the third thing with that said, those two key guys, um, with their reactions, game three, home opener there the other night, the guy that's sitting, you know, standing next to uh, Colton in there, and that's Mark Crawford. You know, Mark's had his ups and downs since his uh, success there in Quebec and Colorado, obviously. So if this doesn't work out for Colin, if he can't straighten the ship out here and he loses this team, is is Mark Crawford the kind of guy to step in here? So my two questions is those observations about Taze and Flurry game three at home the other night as far as their teammates and the other thing here about is Mark the kind of guy that you would sit well with in terms of taking this bench over? Yeah, so a couple things. One, first of all, um, you said if Jeremy Carlton loses the bench, 
Um, I think that he felt confidence last year because Jonathan Taves was not there. Um, from what I understand, when he took over for Joel Quinville, uh, it was certainly awkward. And when you have a core group like Kane and Keith and Seabrook and Taves that had played for Quinville for 10 years and had the success with Quinville for 10 years, obviously there's going to be whatever the op- polar opposite of a honeymoon period is, right? So I get that. I mean, this is a guy that played midget with Brent Seabrook. So he's already younger than Duncan Keith. And, but Keith has, 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 has ne- and, and even Patrick Kane have never really been the guys that are breaking their sticks and chewing tails out in front of the cameras. They've been guys that were more lead by action than lead by words. 19 has always been the guy that when the going got tough, as you have seen multiple times this year, is going to chew asses out on the bench and tell him exactly what needs to go down. 19 is back, and his mouth and his energy and his words have come with him. Now, full transparency here, Jonathan Taves is still coming back from a season that he sat out because of health concerns. He's out there 27, or not 27, 17 and a half minutes a night so far through four games. He's winning faceoffs. The point, he, he, no points yet. Um, not everything has been full, what we expect out of 19, but the energy and the leadership is there. Duncan Keith is gone. Mm-hmm. So now you've got Connor Murphy and Alex DeBrinkett splitting one A. Still weird seeing road. him in an Oilers jersey, man. Yeah. And, uh, and you've got eight, uh, 88 Kaner wearing the other A. So you've got a whole new leadership group here from the time that Carlton took over. Seabrook is quasi-retired officially uh, a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Keith is gone. Taves is back. So now you've got a completely new leadership group outside of Jonathan Taves, at least visibly with with the A's on their sweaters. Um, But my understanding is that even once that, like, we'll give him a chance and see what he's got, period, wore off, there was always friction between those core four guys and what Jeremy Carlton was putting together. Now the media's at them. They've given those guys the opportunity to throw Carlton under the bus. But if you've ever spent any time with Jonathan Taves or even Patrick King, you'll know that these are guys that are on the other side of 30 years old. They've been professionals for a long time. No one's shown more class there. I'm not saying that there aren't classy players, but no one's represented the Indian head over the last 15 years as well as Jonathan Taves. He's, he's a class captain. There's a reason that he is captain serious. He's not going to take that bait and be like, well, the coach sucks and he's got to go. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. I don't, I don't know that those core guys ever fully bought into what Jeremy Colleton was selling. Secondly, um, with regards to Mark Crawford, uh, Mark Lazarus from The Athletic tweeted this out, and it's a very valid point because a lot of people look back to when Denny Savard got run four games into the season and Joel Quinville was handed the bench. Joel Quinville was recently unemployed at that point, and the Blackhawks hired him as a scout. You can't see the air quotes, but they're there. Um, (laughs) Basically, and bought him four days to find a house somewhere in Hinsdale that he could live um, until they had a good reason to run Savoie Fair. Uh, Hall of Fame player, 
was a great mentor for 88 and 19 when they came in, taught them how to represent the Blackhawks organization, how to be a superstar in Chicago. But when it came to X's and O's and next level, obviously the jump from Dennis Savard to Joel Quinville was the jump from a pontoon boat to the Titanic. So, uh, so people are like, well, you've got, you know, fire Colton four games in just like you did Savard. The, and he, Mark Lazarus pointed out that the difference here is that Quinville was waiting in the wings. I would argue that Mark Crawford's been on the bench now for more than a year, and he certainly has that resume. He has chewed some tails out in practice this week. Um, he's being more vocal. I think the cameras have caught him in Calton's ear more frequently. The reality is, you just like Quinville was, though he wasn't on the bench trying to help directly, Crawford is there. He's on the payroll. He has a track record that says he knows how to get it done. You're right. Like he's had to, you know, some sordid stuff come up and, you know, not everything is, you know, peachy when you look back at, you know, the last decade in Mark Crawford's life. But I would say he's a guy that's got a resume that at least the guys would buy into. And the difference between Mark Crawford's NHL resume and Jeremy Collins resume when he got the job was Mark Crawford has an NHL resume. Jeremy Carlton was a guy in his early 30s that was hired out of the Swiss League. And so that's, I think, one of the biggest differences here. And the other issue is that Carlton, one of the things that Bowman has said about him and the reason he likes him as a coach is that he's a great communicator. When you see guys like Taves barking at the bench and you see Flurry going for a long walk, um, probably would have a smoke if he could at times. Um and look, let's not give Flurry a pass here. He needs to be better. There have been plenty of goals. He will that he be. He always needed his all. And he, I, he I think, everyone in the yeah. free world has confidence that Flower didn't somehow just lose it over the summer. Um, but when you start seeing that level of frustration, and when you start hearing questions about why are guys die, why are your defensemen letting out as frequently as they are, and he's like, well, you know, that's something that we need to be better at because there are times that you do it, but you shouldn't do it as much as they are. Like these are things that after six preseason games and a full training camp, and now you're four games into the season, these are things that a good communicator fixes, right? And I think a lot of the things that you saw, a lot of the fractured personality issues that you saw with Torts in Columbus last year, which we joked about the whole season, like mm -hmm. Torts just got his hands on Patrick Liney. That's gonna go well. Um, you know, like who's marrying Richie Sambora this week? That'll last a week. Um, for the kids who don't know who Richie Sambora is, Google it. Um, but it's just when you see the same mistakes being made consistently, yes, it's only four games. But these are mistakes that have been made for a year and a half. These are mistakes that they made during the, the shortened season last year that they theoretically were correcting by bringing in, again, Seth Jones, not a perfect defensive defenseman, but a guy that you gave $9.5 million to be the face of the franchise moving forward, who's getting 25 minutes a night. You bring in Jake McCabe, who, again, the analytics community absolutely loves Jake McCabe. The analytics community loves Connor Murphy. And you put those two together, and you think, okay, that's shut down. That's two and seven all over again. Okay? And they're not. And your systems aren't getting better and the product on the ice hasn't gotten better. In fact, at five on five, I would submit they've gotten worse, even though you overhauled this thing and pushed your financial chips into the middle of the table and said, we're going for it. Screw the rebuild. 
here's a bunch of veterans. Here's a full training camp. Excuses out the window, Jeremy. You got to go win, and you're oh three and one, and you've scored eight goals in four games. And, and we're the, kind of we're kind of burning this week's entire segment at the expense of poor well, Jeremy Dalton. Well, I think yeah, well, you know, I think it's important. Maybe the last thing I'll throw with on this two, two tab is. You know, you look across the rest, the rest of the league here. You know, my gut feeling is I don't think Colton's going to make it here because I think the other thing, too, is is you've you've got a very young team here, a very young, talented team. You talk about the assets that were brought in. You talk about Taze coming back here, Flory obviously back there as well, too. So you got you got uh, up front and you got in the rear, you got two very experienced veteran kind of guys here. You know, you, you can't have a, a young, talented team taking a nosedive. So if the losses keep piling up here, I don't think Collington makes it. You kind of kind of look at maybe the Rangers situation a little bit too. You know, Galan comes in here now. He's he's going to probably have this team rolling pretty well. Again, it's a lot of talent on the page. Oh, oh you mean the Gerard Galan who the Blackhawks theoretically could have hired this summer? That yeah, Gerard Galan? We got him. He's ours. Thank you very much. Sorry, pal. Sorry. You're welcome. But, like I said, I'm just saying, you know, I think that's a big part of it too. And I think that's where upper management in Chicago has got to look at. And, you know, look, I love Mark Crawford uh, when he was there in Colorado, Quebec. And I- I've always liked the guy. I know, like I said, he's had his issues. Um, but I think if he gets a swirl around this, I'd just be, I just think it would be very interesting. Look, I don't want to throw Colin under the bus now and whatever. But I think if, the, if, they, don't, if they don't dig themselves out of this, and if, you know, if Kane and Taze and, and Flory have to put this team on their back, and if they can't do it by themselves, they can't do it with Seth Jones and everything else, you don't want to burn Jones out either, too. Like, everything that you brought up is, I mean, this is, those are a lot of red flags here. And it's a long season, and there's a long way to go, and this division is incredibly competitive. And the conference is incredibly competitive, too. So I, I personally well, feel that I don't think Colleton makes it if this team can't straighten its act out within 10, 15 games, because I think extending on the year and a half that you're talking about, and if the changes aren't there, and with the assets, Tays back, Flurry. You know, I think that's uh, that's when I think Chicago's going to make a move here. Well, after a season last year that was disappointing, again, no Doc, no Taves. I get it. Like, you had every excuse in the world last year, no training camp. Um, but you change one of two things after a season that was disappointing. The systems and or the personnel. The Blackhawks changed the personnel dramatically. And here's the, here's the issue that you're running into if you're Stan Bowman. Colton's your guy. You won the tug of war with Joel Quinville, okay? You you won that battle royale with ownership. Those two didn't get along, pretty well known, and one of them is still in Chicago, and that's the boy who's named after the Stanley Cup, Notre Dame's finest, okay? So you decide that you want your golden boy to have a roster that can compete, so you go for it. You You, you push all your chips in this year, as we've said. Here's the problem that they have. You have two years of contract left before you have to make significant, enormous financial decisions. We're talking franchise-altering financial decisions with the three best forwards on your roster right now. Alex DeBrinckit's an RFA in 2023. 19 and 88 are UFA. In two more years, He'll be every Rangers, indi- by the way. <laughs> when, when when you do what Stan Bowman did with two years left on their contracts, you're saying we want to go for it one, maybe two more times with 19 and 88. 
and see where things go. And now what you're seeing is maybe crapping the bed with the first of those two years. And it, now you don't have the financial bandwidth to go remix life and, and come up with guys off the scrap heap because you got two more years of Tyler Johnson at $5 million a pop after this. Hmm. You're going to have to re-sign to bring it. And here's the bigger problem. Guess who's an RFA after this year? Dominic Kubalik, who's shown that he can be a 20, 30 goal guy, and Kirby Doc because they burned his ELC. Mm-hmm. So, and Kirk, by the way, Kirby Doc is going to be an absolute freaking star in this league. Yeah, he's awesome. Which means his next deal is not going to be cheap. Nope. Which means he'll, he will probably be the fourth forward on this roster, making north of five million next year. Everybody gets seven million now, Tab. You know that. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, if you, if uh, he should, I think he probably went out and got himself some Panda Express to celebrate the uh, Kachuk's deal. You know, do yeah, it big. Um, but, and the only, the only money you've got coming off the books after this season, you got Calvin DeHaan's four and a half, which sadly the multiple surgeries that he's had to have done to his hips. He, there's not a lot of life left in his legs, but don't tell anybody that might trade for him that because I don't want to hurt his value. Um, and you got flower coming off the books after this year. And I can tell you this, and I tweeted it after the game on Tuesday night. And I was shocked, you know, 300 likes or something like that, that it had 36 hours of legs uh, under it on, on the Twitters. Apparently the kids were intrigued by the, by the thought. But I can't think with a straight face that Marc-Andre Fleury, who was allegedly mulling retirement instead of accepting the trade to Chicago, and he could have. He could have walked away with a Vesna and walked straight into the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. Because that's where he's headed. I cannot fathom that Mark Andre Fleury said, "You know what? I'm looking at that roster. I see something. Let's go for it. I'll spend the what may be the last. He's 36 years old. I'll spend what might be the final year of my career on a team that's going to suck." Mm. You think that was Mark Andre Fleury's thought process? Hell no. And here he is, smashing sticks, getting pulled. He went back to Pittsburgh and got pulled in the first period. You think he wants that? Mm-hmm. You see him going for the long walk, looking for something to smoke in, against the Islanders? You think this is how he wanted his potential final season to start out? No. And again, I'm not giving Flurry a pass here. He needs to be better, and he knows that. But you have massive decisions to make and you don't have guys that you can sell flurry still has a a no trade and i don't know if moving from vegas was was hard enough i don't know if he's going to want to go somewhere else and frankly i don't see a lot of cup contenders that are lining up for a goalie at seven million right so if Flurry's going to finish the season here and then you got nine and a half kicking in for seth jones which, by the way, effectively wipes off DeHaan coming off the books because you're taking the four from DeHaan and adding it to Seth Jones' cap pit. You know, you you don't have a lot of financial flexibility to do much. You've got very few assets that you could theoretically move, one of whom is Dylan Strom, who's an RFA after this year, who has been stapled to the press box, not even the bench. 24-year-old who's probably a good 40, 45-point guy. Uh, who I don't know why the hell he's not in Ottawa yet. I think I said that last week on our kickoff show, and he's still watching from the press box in a very well-tailored suit in Chicago. 
But again, like Dylan Strom's not fixing what's broken. He's not you know, Patrice Bergeron, who's going to like magically appear and become a defensive game changer for them. They've they've indicated that the twenty one twenty two season is a season that they want to go for it. You don't go get Marc Andre Fleury for one year if you're looking to fire sale. You know this isn't the Baltimore Orioles or you know the Arizona Diamondbacks signing a thirty year old veteran pitcher and giving him ten starts to look good and then trading him at the baseball trade deadline. Here, this is a team that is maxed out on the cap and going for it. And they look like trash. They are the worst five-on-five team in the National Hockey League. And everyone's asking Montreal about Mark Bergevin's job security. And Mark Bergevin has to answer the questions. Stan Bowman's avoiding cameras like the play. Mm-hmm. And when they and when they ask Stan Bowman or Jeremy Calton why Dylan Strome can't get on the ice, and if this is asset protection because he's on the trade block, I mean, you'd think Muhammad Ali was bobbing and weaving. I mean, they're. Full-blown Forrest Gump, turn and run on that question. So, um, you know, it's just, it screams dysfunction. And you've gotten to a point now where you've watched these systems for the majority of a season before the shutdown, where you had Seabrook and you had Taves. And then last year without Taves and Seabrook and without Doc. And last year, again, you could say young lineup learning on the fly. That's fine. You're not a young lineup. You're not learning on the fly anymore. You've got a lot of money being spent on guys who have been there and done that. Guys like Tyler Johnson who have rings from each of the past two summers. And obviously 1988 know what it takes to get there. Uh, and Flurry obviously knows what it takes to get it done. And well, it's, gotta, it's I mean, not getting better, and that's the problem. I mean, the other thing, too, about Flurry coming in here as well, too, and a, a kid that you know I love, man, is, is Kevin Lankinen, too. I mean, where does... He's got to get playing time. He, they've got to keep him active. Kevin Lincoln, and who's a UFA after this year, too, by the way. Oh, man, the kid is good, man. I mean, he he, he, he showed good. Look, he, he he's not a top five goaltender. It's not like, oh, look, we've got this 26-year-old kid named Carey Price that we just found on the scrap heap. He's a nice player. And uh, if you're a team that is angling for the middle of the division, Kevin Lankinen could have been the number one on this team if all you did was bring in Seth Jones and Tyler Johnson. And you could look around and say, okay, so we made a couple small improvements for the near term. Cool. We're going to make it a little bit better in front of Lankinen. Cool. I get it. When you go get Marc-Andre Fleury and you make the deal for Seth Jones and you pay Seth Jones what you paid him, you're not just shooting for fourth or fifth in the division. You're putting a bullseye at like that 2-3 spot. In a division... I might add that after Colorado on paper, when the puck dropped to start this season, nothing about this division said anything other than Colorado was going to be a world beater. And Colorado's had a bad start. They're one, two and oh, and they've given up 13 and three games. Now, obviously McKinnon and Landeskog missing most of that street is a a deal. And I think everyone looks at Colorado and they're like, they're going to be damn fine. But when you look at like the issues that Dallas has, the issues that a rebuilding Nashville has, Arizona being Arizona and allowing 17 goals in three games, and Winnipeg dealing with injuries and COVID and what they're going through, and Minnesota throwing the bag at Kaprasov and people like Drew Doughty being like, eh, it's a lot for a guy in 50-something games at the National Hockey League. 
you know, I, I think a lot of people looked at, okay, after Colorado, you've got probably St. Louis, and then you got Minnesota, Winnipeg. But this is a division that the Blackhawks, with what they did, I think a lot of people said, high side, maybe the two or three in the division. Realistically, maybe, the, you know, they should be able, with the guys that they brought in, to be in that 3-4 conversation and be fighting for a playoff berth. And they are hanging out with the Vino in the cellar right now. Uh, with four games played, they are tied with Winnipeg and Arizona with one point in dead last. And uh, the Blackhawks have played one game more than Winnipeg or Arizona. So, you know, again, the schedule right out of the gate for the Chicago Blackhawks was something that you knew, like, you're going to have a little bit of an uphill climb here. I think if you paid attention to what the Devils did in the offseason, you knew they were going to be better. But you go to Colorado, you go to Pittsburgh, a couple of tough places to play. You come home for the Islanders. Tonight they've got the Canucks, and that's going to tell me a ton. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the Canucks are a young team that gives up offense. Obviously with Hughes, he's never going to win a Norris based on what he does defensively. Um, and then you've got a Detroit team that Stevie Y went out and added all sorts of sandpaper and grit and all those fun things that you say for guys that just want to whoop your ass. And then you've got Toronto. So this four-game home stretch, you got the Islanders and Toronto bookmark bookending it. And then you go to and then you go to Carolina and St. Louis. So like you you look at like where they got to go. Like you've you you've got to pick up a win against Vancouver and Detroit if you want if you want to have any chance of not starting this season with nine straight L's. And then you've got Ottawa at home, and it's like Ottawa's playing pretty well. And Carolina, like, you could very easily see a path to 11 straight losses for the Blackhawks. Well, you know what? At which point, you can't lose a division in the first week. You can't win a division in the first week, but you can dig yourself a hole that it's really hard to get out of. Well, if it goes that way, you know they're going to make the changes. And if that's what has to happen this early in the season, I think that's 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 what we're going to look at here uh, in these next uh, few games here. So, hey, look, I, man. I think, if, I think if they chalk up losses to Vancouver and Detroit, Calton needs to go. That's just what it is. Because you can't – four games – okay, a four-game stretch. Pretty much everybody has a three- or four-game stretch during a season where they look like crap. But if you if you chalk up losses and you've only got maybe two or three points out of ten percent of your season, that's enough of a sample size that you can legitimately say we're screwed. And game eight and game nine are at Carolina and at St. Louis. After game seven is versus Toronto. So those are three games that on paper, even if this Blackhawks team was playing well, they were going to struggle to win. So if Vancouver and Detroit don't happen. If you don't pull at least three game three points out of those two games, I would argue the change has to come because you're digging yourself too much of a hole for this season to be worth it. I and agree. if you if, if if you end up 0 11 to start the season, the for sale sign has to go up. It has to. Because you've got too much money being spent down the road. And guys like DeHaan and even Flurry have to be allowed to pursue their cup aspirations in walk years somewhere else. And you have to stop lying to yourself. If you're going to keep Colton around and this is the system that you're going to run and this is I mean look this the Chicago Blackhawks were the ticket in town. Sellout streak, the whole 9 yards, face value in the 300 level and the hundreds of dollars. You pull up their schedule on ESPN right now, which is what I'm looking at. Why? Specifically because 
they've got the hot links to tickets, right? Next three games in Chicago at the United Center where tickets were impossible to come by. They had a 12-year waiting list, all this other BS. Tonight against Vancouver, tickets as low as $7. Ouch. Sunday versus Detroit, original six rival. You hate them. Detroit is a ticket you want to have because they're not in your conference anymore. Tickets as low as $19. Original six, Austin Matthews, Toronto Maple Leafs coming into town. One of the few times you get to see Toronto in Chicago every other year. $10 to get in the door. That's all the Meanwhile, college, the Blackhawks, Chicago, Chicago fans are just, they're just excited about the Bears season. That's all. They're just, that's why they're oh. not <laughs> yeah, because the smell of burning rubber from that tire fire, isn't it? Hey, buddy, no, I mean, couple... the Bears are 500. I can't argue with that. I'd take three and three out of the Blackhawks in their next six, and that's what the Bears have given us. Oh, man. Deep dive like, into like, the Hawks like, today, baby. Like, like the Chicago Bears, Blackhawks fans are hoping that they win once a week. <laughs> once a week. That's what we're going to need. Woo! Next week, we'll see what happens here. Hey, look, uh, Chelios looked good on ESPN the, the other night with Moose and uh... – Nice nod to Tony Esposito uh, as well. His passing at the yeah. game. So let's end on a couple of good notes here. Hey, you got I got the book, man. Illustrated uh, timeline of the Blackhawks by Ted Bamford here. Is there a spot I haven't got to it yet? Is there a spot on Tony Espo in the book? Oh, the, yeah. There's the, there are multiple mentions of Espo. Um, look, you cannot talk about the history of the Blackhawks without talking about Tony Esposito. Um, you know, it it sucked losing him this summer. He had a long fight that ultimately got the best of him, um, but he meant a lot to the Chicago Blackhawks franchise. There's a reason that his number's in the rafters. There's a reason that his number's painted behind the net on both ends of the ice, and the boys have a patch with his number on it on the jersey. Um, he, he meant a lot to the city of Chicago. There are not many professional athletes that have been the level of lovable ambassador for any team. I mean, we're talking on the level of Stan Makita and Ernie Banks um, that anytime you saw him, he had a smile on his face. He was happy to have a conversation, an autograph, a picture, you name it. Um, and so it was nice to see them. And, you know, stick tap to, to Kaner, too, um, because he hit two big-time milestones in his career last year, getting to 1,000 games and 1,000 points. And... Did not want to celebrate that without the fans in the seats, uh, which I respect. And they could have handed him the silver stick and had the pomp and circumstance on opening night with an opening night crowd. And Kaner said, you know what? We'll wait until game two. Game one should be about Tony out. Uh, So tonight with Vancouver in town, Kaner will have have his moment in the sun and then hopefully go out and get some stuff. But, But look, Kaner's not... He's not physically there right now. Uh, he was banged up last year. He's still playing through some stuff. Um, he won't ever tell you how bad it is, but he will tell you that it's not comfortable. Um, and you can tell that he's a little snake bit right now in the point production. Uh, you know, I think probably indicates that. But um, but good for Kaner for giving him a night to, to focus solely on Tony Esposito. And, yeah, you know, Shelley's been great. You know, he's staying the seventh inning stretch at, Wrigley with the Cubs earlier this year and had Espo's jersey hanging out of the front of the press box at Wrigley Field. Um, you know, he's a guy, Chelios, that grew up in Chicago, who grew up watching Tony Esposito, who fell in love with the game in large part because of guys like Esposito and developed a really nice relationship with Esposito while he was playing here and serving as the captain of the Blackhawks and then 
you know, in retirement and as one of the hundred greatest players ever with Esposito and a Hall of Famer with Esposito. Um, but Chelios has been very good about making sure that everybody uh, remembers what Tony O meant to the city. So um, good on Shelly. Uh, almost as good as his tan, always. Um, but uh, but yeah, Ch- Ch- Chelly always does a great job uh, of, of making sure that people know when when our icons go. And he's done a great job on the national and local scenes of making sure that people remember how much, how much Tony Esposito meant to this fan base before we had games on television, before we had banners going into the rafters, before the marketing engine jumped in and made the United Center the place to be for something other than Michael Jordan. Um, Tony Esposito was a big part of why this is a hockey town. So uh, he'll be sorely missed, but good to know he's in a much better place now. Good stuff, man. Go Chicago, man. Hopefully they get a win tonight for Canner. For Collins' sake, he's going to need a lot. Tab. For the sake of my stock of bourbon, they need to get a win. <laughs> Great stuff as always, buddy. Deep dive into the Hawks today. Bring it back next week. Have a great weekend, buddy. We'll see you on the we'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Yep. Tab Bamford, right here at THS. THS rolls on. Woo! Well, all right. Time to head out to the West Coast, the Love Coast, the Best Coast. Well, it all depends on where you are. Anyway, slice it. It's time to bring on our good buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo, residing in the great state, the big-ass state of California. What's up, pal? Welcome back to THS. Paulie, what's going on, man? How you doing, bud? I'm doing good, man. And we're uh, hanging on to summer here over here on the, uh, on the East Coast, the right coast. <laughs> Lovely day. Yeah, you know, it It was freezing this morning in terms of California. It was in the low 50s, but it's uh, it's leveled out a little bit. It's nice and warm and sunny so far right now. But uh, usually this is the time of the year where California starts to cool off a little bit. We usually get, you know, big heat wave late September into October, and then it kind of levels out. So I feel like we're getting to that point. Look at you, man. Weatherman Palumbo knocking it out for us. For all of you folks out there, I want to know what's going on in Cali. At least in Southern Cali, right? <laughs> there was one time in my life where my goal was to be a meteorologist. So, Get little fun out. fact. <laughs> Absolutely true. Well, pal, I think we could edit that little spot out there. We could send it to a couple of local, uh, you know, TV stations. Get you, get you, make your dream come true, brother. <laughs> hey, it's the only job you can be wrong ninety percent of the time and keep your and keep your job. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about that. All right, pal. Well, let's kick uh, kick into it right here. Um, second week of the season here. Obviously, three, four, five games in for a bunch of teams. We got uh, ten games on the slate here tonight. Uh, it looks like Vegas seems to be the place to be uh, every Wednesday night. Uh, some good games going on yeah. there. Obviously, St. Louis and Vegas uh, last night. We're going to dip into the Abs with you today, and and obviously do a little hit on, on the Devs. Um, before we get into that, if you don't mind me asking you, Steve, because I know um, you're familiar with them out there, obviously Western uh, hockey fan that you are on the Twitter. Uh, you're our go-to guy here at TH for uh, West Coast. Uh, a little bit about Evander Kane. I was touching with Joe here uh, before he was yeah. in Buffalo, and now obviously with the Sharks and the 21-game suspension there. And, you know, um, 
I'm not going to sit here and I, I don't want this to be a beat down on Evander. I'm more or less looking at, um, you know, hopefully he can turn his life around and, and get some better people maybe in his his inner circle and stuff and, and turn around because he's a talented kid. And you know watching him here the last couple of seasons in San Jose, it's just kind of unfortunate about what's going on here uh, off the ice. So I just want to get your take on Evander here and obviously his stint here in San Jose and obviously, unfortunately, uh, what just recently uh, came about here with his 21-game suspension over the fake vaccination card yeah you know i mean we talked about him uh, last year and how important he was to the sharks and you know he's he's actually you know he's had a spotty uh past we talked about how he was fitting into the culture and it kind of was kind of reeling him back in but man he has had a really rough off season i mean it just seems to be one story after the next um this this whole fat vaccination card thing and the suspension, I, I kind of feel like it's going to be the last straw for him. I, I cannot see how San Jose is going to bring him back. And even with the amount of skill and potential he has, I just think Doug Wilson's the type of GM that he, he'll, he would cut ties rather than, than bring that kind of uh, distraction into the locker room, especially since they've brought in, a, a, you know, some young players and they're actually fitting in pretty well. The team looks really decent on the ice. Uh, I just think it's one of those situations, whether they're, they either explore a buyout. I, I think there's been talk of them getting his contract voided. Um, so I just I don't see an, how he can possibly uh, suit up a, another game for the Sharks. And it's really unfortunate because last season he was their best player. He, he led the team in, in scoring and, and he looked really, really, really good last season. But man, he just can't seem to get out of his own way. And I, I do hope that he can find a way to to kind of come to grips with uh, some of these things that have plagued him. Maybe get some help through the league and can help him get through that. Cause he's an excellent hockey player and, and his teammates seem to like him. So it's just unfortunate that these things keep popping up. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And, uh, I just hate to see talented kids like this get caught up in so much crap, uh, in such a young age, especially right. off the ice. And he's, he's had a rough go in Winnipeg, Buffalo, and, and now we're in, in San Jose. And it looked, it looked like it was going pretty good, you know, on a, on a decent team, some vets and all that other stuff. Yeah. And uh, we'll see what happens. But I just want to get your take on it. Thanks so much there, Stevie. Uh, appreciate it. As far as uh, staying right there in, in, in the Pacific and, uh, you know, um, the other teams here and how they're playing out in terms of the standings right now, like I said, we're not going too crazy. But, you know, you look at, uh, <laughs> you know, McDavid and Drysaddle are up to their old tricks here, uh, leading points uh, and assists and stuff right out of the gate. Uh, Anze, five goals here in the first couple of games there as far as scoring here in terms of L.A. and um, yep. match with Tyler Bertuzzi there in Detroit with uh, with five goals each. Um, you know, Dowdy playing good too, six assists and stuff. And just, uh, you know, like I said, a couple of point leaders, you know, leading the league right out of the gate in the Western Conference and obviously right here in the Pacific Division. Yeah, I mean, McDavid and Dreisaitl, what, they, what they're doing is just silly. It's video game numbers. It's... Uh... It's it's really fun to watch. Um, it's good for for Edmonton to finally you know have some talent around those guys so that they can you know at least be competitive and and you know McDavid's the type of player that you want to see featured in the playoffs and Drysaddle too. And you just want you just hope that that team is good and and those guys are doing their thing and they're getting some some help around them. So it's good to see you know Edmonton coming out of the gate hot. You know as far as the Kings, I think one of the biggest things and and. There was a lot of talk in the offseason bringing in uh, Deneau and, and giving him that contract, and is he worth it? And you can just see by the projection from a guy like Kopitar that Deneau is worth every penny because it's taking some of the defensive responsibility off of a guy like Kopitar who's getting older. He had a ton of responsibility for that young team. Now he can focus a little bit more on the scoring, and we all know that the guy is, is one of the best scorers in the league. 
And um, I mean, he's just getting to doing his thing. He's, he's having a lot of fun. And even Dowdy's out there smiling. You know, <laughs> it hasn't translated in the wins yet, but um, the team is, is, is only going to get better. Um, they've, they've got a lot of young pieces um, that they're still trying to incorporate in there and get them used to the NHL game. But it's just nice to be able to see some of those, some of the league's greats um, out there having fun and producing again. And I, I think, I mean, it's just it's been such an interesting start to this season. Um, even though it's early, we've had a lot of, of strange things happen, a lot of fun things. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's great to see uh, Kopitar uh, producing like that. I, I know my Kings buddies around here are really stoked. <laughs> no doubt about it, man. Um, you know, swinging in over over to your your guys there in Anaheim. There, uh, this kid, uh, you know, Zgrass and the rest of this crew. Anything? Uh, I mean, uh, Gibson, uh, obviously. Uh, you know, it's hard to believe. But how, how many years has Gibson been in the league now? Backstopping the Ducks. Man, he's been in quite a long time. I mean, he's he's been around a really long time. There was a I was at at the dentist's office the other day with my daughter and we were looking at an old ducks photo. Cause I guess the dentist <laughs> is the ducks dentist. And he was 2015, 16. And he was right there on the, uh, he was on the bench there. So on in the team picture. So he's been around a while. Yeah, man. He's uh, still a young guy too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and obviously, you know, you know, you talk about, you know, who's left on this team as far as uh, leadership and, you know, the changes the ducks have gone on here. Um, you know, what's, what is the outlook of the ducks this season? And and what kind of a mix of in terms of like you know young guys, in terms of uh, the system that they got playing out here in Anaheim, and, and and what do you what do you see in the horizon for them amongst the specific division, which you can all we can all kind of agree kind of got weak, and you know yeah. cracking and here and all that other stuff. Uh, I mean the division could technically obviously without you know obviously Edmonton up top there, and but it could be up for grabs for for a few of these teams. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I'm not sure the Ducks' aspirations were technically make the playoffs, but I think it was to be competitive along the way. Uh, again, another team that's incorporating a lot of young pieces in. Um, I think one of the reasons why Getzloff, they were able to get him back for a year, and, and that he wanted to come back is, A, it's his home, and this is, this is all he knows, but B, he wants to be part of the leadership group that transitions this team into the next generation of Ducks hockey. Uh, kind of reminds me similar to, like, the devils where they, the, the ducks were always a big, uh, you know, heavy team to play against. And now their tradition, you're, they're transitioning into like a faster, more skilled team. Um, I think, you know, gets off as a sign of the old guard, a guy like Trevor Zegris and Jamie Drysdale and is, is the new guard. They brought in a kid like McTavish. They drafted him because they liked his size and he could fit that gets off mold up the middle. But I think you're, you're seeing them go to a, a faster, more skilled game and, and, and that's why they, they brought in Dallas Eakins last year because he was doing it down in the AHL. They brought him in. They wanted to, to speed things up. And I think you're, you're just seeing the Ducks move into a new era of their hockey, get their young guys incorporated. And watching a kid like Zegers and, and Drysdale, I mean, even last year watching him after only a few games, I, I was in awe. I mean, I've been watching hockey a long time. And these are just kids playing. And the way that he controlled the blue line on the power play and the way he could dance along the line and the the passes he could make, and, and same thing with Zegers, the amount of skill. Um, these these kids that are coming into the NHL now are like nothing we've ever seen before. Um, just the amount of just hockey IQ to go with the unbelievable skating and, and court hand-eye coordination. It is, it is a ton of fun to watch, and I think these guys are really going to help quicken this Ducks turnaround. Um, and we might be seeing some of it right now. I know it's making some of those bets – 
like we talked about Copar with, Copar with the Kings and Dowdy with the Kings, they're, they seem to be enjoying themselves and getting into it. And that, that youthful exuberance is starting to carry over. Yeah, you know, that's a long-winded fr- answer, but no, no, it's it's good, man. I mean, you know, you usually have short answers for me. I like it when you talk, man. Come on. <laughs> no, look, you know, like I said, we were covering this last year with with the division and, and you know the Sharks and the Ducks and and um, you know the Kings kind of tailing off here a little bit and you know um, you know spending time here on Vancouver and Calgary and Edmonton last year and you know now you got the Kraken coming in and they got a huge uh, home opener here this Saturday, which is amazing. It's hard to believe. But um, yeah, it's you, you know I think the Pacific Division is more fun when the Ducks, Sharks, and the Kings are playing good, along with these other teams that are kind of in a rebuild. You know, I mean, uh, Sutter's back in Calgary, and you got you know some good young talent there in, in, in Calgary too, and it, it's kind of spread out. I think this division could be a lot of fun, which may unfortunately mm-hmm. hinder Edmonton's plans as this season goes forward. <laughs> Because of the kids and the, yeah. the guys that we're talking about, the vets in L.A., the young kids in Anaheim, and, if, you know, Goudreau and all these guys, and you know Vegas is going to be there. And if Seattle ends up, yep. you know, being a pain in the ass, and, you know, uh, you know, Green's going to have Vancouver playing pretty good all year long. You know, it could make things tough for Edmonton, uh, maybe tougher than they wanted to be. So I, I, on the outlook now of this season starting, I think the Pacific Division is going to be a lot of fun this year. Yeah, I think fun is going to be the primary word because there is a lot of uh, talent, a lot of skill in that division. You know, everyone's trying to knock that division coming into the season. It's going to be one of the weakest divisions. It's not going to be very competitive. You're going to have some of the worst hockey there. But I've seen I've seen a lot of good games. I've seen a lot of skill, and it's been a lot of fun. I think it's going to be very competitive. And I, I think you will see several teams fighting for that last playoff spot. I think, you know, and and, and – Let's let's be honest here. Vegas has got some things it needs to figure out. It, it's having its injury issues. It has they have some cap issues. Um, Leonard's now the full time starting goalie. Uh, they don't have that that two headed beast that they did last year with with Flurry and, and Leonard. I, I think it's you know they it may not be a lock for them to win the division like we all thought. It's 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 early, but I don't know. I haven't I've watched a couple of their games and I haven't been overly impressed. Yeah, no, I, you know what? I think the word, and it's early. We're, look, all of us out there, mm-hmm. and everybody out there listening, we at THS know yep. it's it's early. But um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll bring one thing out what I've seen in Vegas. They're beatable and in their house. Yeah, beatable. Um, St. Louis mm-hmm. looked really good against them last night, too. And um, Really so, good. Yeah. <laughs> Remember our Blues last year, buddy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we pulled for them all year long, and, uh, man, they look like uh, they, they're on a bit of a mission here in, in St. Louis. And, again, that's just great. For the Central Division, it's all good stuff, and I want to kind of swing over there uh, real quick now. Now, you, you're covering the Avs this year on Hockey Buzz, so I want to talk about the Avs for, for yep. multiple reasons. Uh, not only you covering them, the fact that they're um, they're one of the favorites. They're an exciting team here. Um, playing tonight against uh, Coach Q's Florida Panthers should be a great test. Where are the Avs in terms of getting a couple of their big stars back uh, into the lineup? And, and after these first uh, three games here, what's, what's your take on the team? Yeah, a team that, um, you know, another team that's having the cap is really uh, wreaking havoc on them as far as amount of players they can dress and whatnot. Um, I was looking at their lineup for tonight's game and I was like, wow, they they really drops off after that second line. Um, You know, they finally got McKinnon back. So they got the top line of uh, Landis Gog McKinnon, McKinnon or Landis Gog's back from suspension. McKinnon and, and Ranson are reunited. So that should really help them kind of get going. Um, 
But I think after that, you've got Mikel Maltsev, who they picked up from the Devils in the Ryan Graves trade. He's playing second on the second line, and he couldn't even make the lineup in New Jersey. So that kind of tells you where, where their depth is right now. Um, they still have the elite defense, um, and, you know, they, they got Kemper between the pipes. So it, it's early, but they, they, too, have not looked all that great. And I think they've got a few things they need to sort out personnel-wise or cap-wise to kind of get their team their team structured but man with the expectations being so high I, I know that they would have liked to get a faster start than this and a suspension the COVID thing it, it, it all kind of hit them all at once and it just seems like in order for them to to get to that Stanley Cup you know goal that they have they're, they're going to have a lot of things pushing back against them this year but I mean it, it could be a blessing in disguise you know having this much adversity early could really help you know propel them you know, when we get later on to the season but right now it's it's uh it's been a, a tough go for them yeah, and you know what, you, you know, in the, in the big scheme there, like what you're talking here, I mean, if if you want things to be a little difficult, it's better that it's uh, at the beginning of the season here uh, than later on. And, and I'm sure with the, the amount of talent, and absolutely, the, you know, uh, that they have on this roster, it'll be okay. Um, you know, Grubauer takes off and, and goes to Seattle here. Um, as far as Johansson mm-hmm. here and, and Darcy Kemper, uh, you know, the carnival of uh, NHL goalies uh, switching teams, joking around with Joe and Tab earlier too, you know, I mean, you know, like even the other night, really, Holpe's really in Dallas. Really, he's playing for Dallas now. You know, it's like one of those things where you have to, yeah. you, you have to go on your your you know bingo goalie card here and, or goalie bingo card. I had it backwards to find out where all these guys are playing. Anyway, a, a quick uh, a quick take on the um, the abs and these two guys carrying the weight now after Grubauer. Pretty much, I, I was really shocked that he left Seattle. You know, I was really shocked too. But you know, hearing him talk, you know, after he left, he seems really excited. Kind of what he had kind of had his eyes maybe set on that. I don't know, but I think, I, I think they're in good, in good hands. I really like, uh, uh, Kemper. I, I, I think he, he was really good in front of a, a, a fairly weak, um, Arizona defense. I think with the, the quality defense he has in front of him, um, he's just going to slide right in there and, and be a solid backstop for them. The, the key for the avalanche really in their goaltending is staying healthy. And that's something that's plagued him over the last uh, several seasons is their goalies missing significant time um, during the season and even into the postseason. So I think the key here is for them to to stay healthy along the way, uh, get their reps in and then go into the playoffs healthy because, um, you know, once they get in there, uh, it's going to be hard to beat them in seven games with with that kind of tandem there and Kemper between the pipes. I I really like Kemper. Yeah, no, I like him too, man. He's a great addition for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, you know, a lot of experience, a lot of playoff experience too. Um, you know, so I, I think it's a, a good fit for him, and, and and we'll see how this carries over. Like again, you know, you you see a changing at the guard there between the pipes, and you go, "How huh, really?" Because you know they had so many expectations. You know, last year at Rado and going out in the first round was just—I uh, mean, second round there was just such a—it was very so deflating, you know. And um, you know, they got to start all over. And you, Especially, I, go ahead. Especially since they started off so well, they really looked really like they were going to be a tough out, and then they kind of just went to that second round and just kind of petered out. And it was—I uh, know it was disappointing for the fans. I know it was disappointing for the team. Um, they, their expectations are, are absolutely through the roof, and you know, they they re-signed Landeskog, but you know, these Stanley Cup windows are not that big. I mean, the, the guys are young, but but the, some of the core pieces and those pieces that fill out those championship rosters. They, they start to age themselves out and to try to replace them. So you want to try to kind of strike while the iron's hot. And I think that, you know, they're in win-now win mode. This season's huge for this game. 
Yeah, for the organization from Joe Sackick down. There's no doubt about it. No, yep. you nailed it. Yep. And I think Absolutely. a lot of people are just sitting here and you, you see all this talent and all these number one picks. And, you know, it, it, is this just the pressure that they have? This might be the year. Because you know it too, man. Like you're talking about the cap. I mean, the, the teams like this also get broken up. And um, yep. you know, these guys are all going to have to look across the, from each other in the locker room and make it happen uh, this year. So we'll see how it plays out. All right, Steve, before I let you go, we always got a little take on the Devils here. Look at these guys. Eight goals, two games, Chicago, Seattle. Uh, big wins, huge wins, right? 2-0. Uh, great game on tap tonight against the Caps. Obviously, use out. Um, so that stinks. Uh, I think he was put on the IR or yep. something like that. But, um, you know, young team here, Lindy Ruff, hey, thing, like I said, we're not getting too crazy, 2-3, but it's better to be 2-0 and out of the gate than to be 0-2, especially going into uh, a game against a uh, good test tonight, obviously against the Caps uh, before they hit both. They had Buffalo and Calgary come in at home and Columbus, uh, they have Pittsburgh there in between. But, um, look, Ovi looks like he's uh, 23 and he's having a lot of fun so far. So I think it should be a fun game uh, on tap here. But, uh, obviously, a couple games here. Use out. Talk about the Devils. Yeah, no, they, they've, they've been fun to watch. You know, they, they kind of, you know, let the teams back in at the end. I, that game against Seattle, Seattle had no, no business being in that game. Um, but I think that the Hughes injury um, was, a little, was a little bit of a, a wake-up call for the team, too. Uh, the good news is that he, it's not serious. It's a separated shoulder. doesn't require surgery. He'll be re-evaluated next week. That's, that's great news considering how great he looked. But I think overall, in general, the team, the team is, uh, is fun to watch. Um, Dougie Hamilton back there has been a, a solid force. Ryan Graves has been really impressive. Um, remember last year, the Devils went 0-8 against Washington. So it'll be interesting to see how they fare uh, against them tonight. This is a big test for a young team. And um, you know, I, I think they'll be up for it. And it'll be nice to see who steps up in Jack's absence because he's been a, a huge piece of that offense. Yeah, that's uh, that's another thing I want to ask you about here, as far as the Devils and, and how they've been playing, and and who Lindy's been uh, kind of leaning on here, as far as you know, um, you know, time on ice here, and and obviously, uh, you know, Dougie Hamilton coming in here and, and getting close to almost twenty five minutes per game, which you would expect here. I, I guess sometimes I still have to shake my head and go, man, Dougie Hamilton's on this team, man. Um, yeah, Hershire <laughs> getting a lot of ice time as well too, and and uh, Graves and. Just looking at seeing how, uh, you know, uh, Lindy's playing these guys. And uh, I guess, Steve, you help me out here. Saigon Taylor, you know, he's getting some nice time, too. I don't know if I said his name right. Sam Taller. Yeah, exactly. I had it backwards, you know. So, I mean, you know, you just ate tomatoes, I say tomatoes. But you know me with uh, names. I'm horrible like that. But uh, it's a good joke here. But anyway, uh, yeah, Lindy's spreading it out a little bit, huh? He, he really is. And I think that was his intention. He wanted – and we I mentioned Except this. Except for we Gertsen. Talked about it. Did I say his name right? Gertsen. We got three yeah, the, Rangers, the other night. The, the Rangers cast off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. It was nice to see him get get a, uh, his shot on the end. I don't think he'll see too much time up at the big club. But, no, I, I, we talked about slotting, and I think he wanted to have guys in cer- play certain roles and take up certain minutes and be slotted correctly. And, you know, Severson just came back from injury. You still haven't brought in Ty Smith. So I think that – the ice times will start to dip a little bit as far as the defensive end when, when they get everybody back in there. Um, you know, I, I, I think Dawson Mercer um, will, will be that guy who's, who steps up for, for Jack. And I don't know if you had a chance to see any of the devil's games, but this kid is beyond impressive. Uh, the goal he scored the other night is two way game. And another one of those really young kids um, that just sees the ice so well, plays well above his years. Um, so, 
you know, and, and Alexander Holtz, another big high draft pick for the Devils, is lighting it up down in Utica. Um, and I, I think a, a lot of people don't realize the importance of a guy like Nico Heischer. So I think even in Jack's absence, Nico is playing, he's, he's playing big minutes. He's playing a key role. He's not putting up the points, but he plays in every situation. He's huge in the face-up circle, kills penalties. He blocks shots. He makes a, you know, everybody about, around him better. So I, I think what you're seeing is, is rough kind of has a good pulse of, you know, what, what he can get from these guys and what situations he can use them in. And, um, man, I think he's the right coach for this team right now. And he really, he really has a, a really good grasp of, of where to, where to slot these guys. And who knows? I mean, it's early, but it's fun to see them winning. Yeah. Lindy's experience, man, obviously come on. I mean, I don't think you have to worry about Lindy Ruff. I think the the thing no. was is um you know seeing Fitz put you know a lineup together for him and he's getting some uh, talent. He's got some good goaltending. Um you know getting how you know you lose Subban, you bring in Hamilton. Who's uh, will be okay here and and all these other guys that are intermingling and you know you having a vet coach like that behind the bench. I think you nailed it. He's he's the right coach for this team uh, at the right time and uh, it can only get better from here. I don't think it's gonna go backwards here for the Devils and uh. Don't see the Islanders here until um, the, the 11th, and don't see the Rangers until the 14th. But that's not too far away. And uh, I can't wait nope. to uh, see those teams play each other, a couple of teams play each other, and we get to have some fun here on THS with Rangers and Islanders and Devils fans like yourself, Mr. Steve. Kramer. Absolutely. It's going to be good. All right, brother. Yeah, great stuff as always, man. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend with the fam. Don't take any crap from anybody, Steve-O. Thanks, We'll see you here next week. <laughs> you know it, man. You know it. Catch right, on brother. Hockey Buzz, Talk brother, all right? Take care. All right, buddy. Take care, man. All right, man. Steve Palumbo, ladies and gentlemen. Giving us the business right here on that hockey show. All right, well, that's a wrap on this week's THS. As always, I want to thank my line mates, Ted Bamford, Joe Yarden, Steve Palumbo. For scoring big, as always, right here on THS. Great stuff, as always, and a big thanks to you guys for tuning in, subscribing, sharing, and listening to all that stuff. Don't forget, follow us everywhere at That Hockey Show on all the social media stuff, and that's where you find all our personal accounts. And uh, the guys here, we mostly hang out on the Twitter a lot. So uh, hang out with us, man. Send us some love. Follow us. We'll follow you back. That's the kind of people we are here at THS. And again, continue to look out. We'll have Costa's uh, 7 coming up here soon as well. We're not going to leave you Montreal Canadian fans out of it and everybody up in the Great White North. That's what we do here at THS. But again, as always, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back here next week. Enjoy the hockey tonight. Lots of puck on this evening. Lots more storylines. Will Coach Colton survive before the next THS? Hmm. Tab doesn't think so. I don't know. We'll find out later. All right, everybody, stay safe out there. And as always, keep your head up. THS is out.